Hello, everybody. Welcome to Park Skill Professional Podcast. Our man, it's been a while. It's been a hot second. Um, my computer is now updated to Big Sur, which required me to re-update all my applications before doing this podcast, which is always a blast. And it looks like everything's running. Huzzah! Yay! I'm happy. Oh man! On tonight's, on today's episode, let's say today. On today's episode, we're joined by Alan. Alan, how are you doing, buddy? I'm all right. How about you, man? I'm watching the Steelers uh, Washington football team game, and the Washington football team just tied uh, after trailing the whole entire game. So it's going to be a fun uh, fourth quarter before uh, the. Uh, what, what's the other game tonight? I honestly have no idea. No idea. I've lost track. Yeah. I, I don't I'm, even know I'm, why the Steelers are playing a college team. <laughs> why, why is that? I, I guess. Well, I mean, 2020, former, right? Yeah, the former slurs of Washington. Um, I, 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 I love the name Washington football team. I do too. <laughs> it's just so bad. <laughs> Such a bad name across the board. But I mean, like, considering where they came from, like, to go from ethnic slur to Washington football team, I love it. It's su- it's such an absurd, bad decision. Like, lots of bad decisions are made, and, and that one is especially delicious. I anyways. I like it in the way that, like, European soccer is all, you know, city football club. Like, it's kind of basic in that way that everything else can just be, you know, an add-on. If it were, like, the Washington Football Club, I'd agree, but the team, the team? makes it sound better. Like, it's far less inclusive. It's just, like, it's the team from Washington. <laughs> it doesn't even, like, state which Washington. So, like, if you didn't know, you would think, oh, it's the state of Washington and not the city of Washington or the District of Columbia and their former team that's still their team, but isn't, the, it, you know, it, and they're bad. On top of it, they're a terrible team. Yes. Like, they're very bad at football, and hopefully they lose tonight to the Steelers, who just, at least the Steelers are winning games, so good for them. Uh, this is a weird season. They're all, everything is weird. We'll talk the Browns about are doing weird. well. They're doing, like, the best yeah. they have since 94 or something. There's like an asterisk you can place next to everything that's happened in professional sports in the last eight months, you know? Yeah, I totally, yeah, I totally get that. Uh, so what about this uh, Jake Paul and Floyd Weatherwire, uh, uh, Merriweather uh, fight that's going to happen, Alan? Talking about sports I am, you're interested in. <laughs> I, am, I am thrilled that this kind of ridiculous sideshow has come back. <laughs> um, I was sad that I did not see the Jones... Uh, Tyson fight, which even the fact that it existed is too good, and apparently that they actually tried a little bit is even better, <laughs> though Tyson intentionally stopped throwing to the head because he realized he was going to kill Roy Jones Jr. Um, I love it. I think it's great. I think what made mixed martial arts fun 20 years ago before it became completely saddled with fascism and Joe Rogan was the fact that MMA used to be full of completely absurd sideshows. Like, you would have Warren Sapp's cousin fighting Ake Bono. Like, stuff like that just happened, and you were like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Of course. Why wouldn't Bob Sapp 
be a professional fighter. He has no discernible skills. He's extremely muscular. Um, and they would do things like that all the time, you know, like World's Strongest Man competitors, like Maurice Pudanowski fought MMA, and like all these guys came and went, and it was glorious, you know, having guys wear t-shirts when they fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss that. I miss that, you know, um, <clears throat> to quote somebody somewhat famous on pro wrestling internet, the the outlaw mud shows that MMA used to be, which had spectacle in Japan. Like, they'd be at the Tokyo Dome in front of 60,000 people and just doing, like, ridiculous shows where, like, a TV presenter fights an actual kickboxer and gets killed in 30 seconds. Like, that was that was programming that was on national television that a quarter of the country watched. Um, so I miss those good old days, and I'm glad to see them back. Uh, as Floyd Mayweather fights a person who's much taller than him and has no discernible actual skill. Like, it's it's so good. I couldn't be happier. It's going to be something else, man. It's going to be yeah, wild. It's going to be wild. It's gonna be great. Also joining us five minutes in uh, is uh, Alex. Alex, how are you doing, man? I am doing fantastic from the theme park capital of the world. Abu Dhabi? Uh, <laughs> from Orlando, right? The original theme park oh, capital okay, of the world. Okay, okay. There you go. Where are you crashing at right now? Oh, the wonderful Super 8. <laughs> oh, you're at the Super 8? Okay. You mentioned the uh, the Corgi at Endless Summer, so I didn't know if you uh, were staying there or I, not. So I, I use them for transportation. <laughs> <laughs> well, Universal appreciates it. but Well, whatever. I, I'm paying them money to go to the park. What's, what's the difference? Yeah, fair. So. Fair point, fair point. How's, uh, how's Orlando treating you right now? Oh, it's, it's, uh, it, I mean, it's a little cold for, I mean, I'm sure people down here are like, yeah, it's a blizzarding here, but it's, uh, it's nice weather. Like I, I take this over sweating your butt off like we did in September. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? So, uh, the crowds are, uh, yesterday at SeaWorld, it was dead in the morning, got busy once the, the Christmas stuff started going on and. But uh, Fun Spot was busy, but like no one was riding anything. There were no lines for anything, so that, huh. that worked. So yeah. got way too drunk at the Fun Spot. I went, I overdid it. So <laughs> that's a theme for I you, man. Up, and then, then because of that happened, we ended up on the Sky Coaster again because that happens whenever <laughs> I get drunk at Kissimmee. <laughs> So. It's like some people end up with random women or men in their beds. You end up on the sky coaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a fun time. It was my first, my buddy's first time on uh, the three hundred footer, so he was he was a little terrified. So, and I what? screwed with him. Who's down like, with oh, you? No. Is that who's da- who came down with you? I can't find the ripcord. I can't find the ripcord. Where is it? <laughs> the whole time I had it in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> you jackass. Yeah, it was pretty good. Who came down with you? Uh, I'm down. Uh, I, I met up with my uh, friend from Chattanooga yesterday. Today I was solo, and Ariel's coming down for the next three days. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah. So I, I guess let's dive a little bit into news, and then we'll talk to, about Alan's trip and a little about your trip, Alex. Um, I don't know your what trip. trip we're talking about, but whatever. <laughs> no, you're the one you're on right now. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, I think we already talked about it in this podcast, but. They've been uh, they announced Velocicoaster and they've been oh. doing uh, daytime testing and completing a lot of scenic installation on this thing. I think this thing is like even surprising me how much 
foliage and scenery they're adding to this thing. Um, Alex, how does I, it how does it look? Well, I I kind of assumed that it was they were going to bring back the waterfront to its former foliage level. I, I figured it was, that was their plan altogether, but to build it, everything was in the way, so they kind of had to cl- clear cut it. Unfortunately, but they did save that one tree, though, right? You talked about it. God, yeah. it feels like forever ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some rare species. I forget what it was. But anyways, uh, yeah, it looks fantastic now with all the foliage in there. Uh, as a photographer, photographer's mind, it doesn't block all my shots. So I'm happy about that. But it doesn't it, – it, it looks so much better than it did back in September. And I caught just two test runs this afternoon. Um, and uh, it seems to be running a lot faster than some of the previous test runs I've seen on video. It felt like it was kind of creeping up to the final break run. And today it was hauling to the final break run. So they also had water dummies in it today, which I don't know if they had it in previous tests. It was kind of hard to tell because everything was at night up until, I guess, today or yesterday. I don't know when. Was today the first time daytime testing happened? I think it was uh, sometime within the past few days. Right, right. So tomorrow I'm going to try to do a better job of being over there. It seems like they started around four. So, yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, it looks fantastic. Yeah. And the whole area by, you know, River Adventure, the paddock and everything, uh, I got to see their, the lighting all lit up today, uh, which I showed a little bit on the, the Instagram account. Uh, it's all LED color changeable. So it, it was start, later today, it was uh, tonight, it was uh, circulating between red and blue. So, who knows what they're going to finally do, but uh, it seems to do a lot of testing and stuff like that. And uh, if it was uh, just say this, if it was a theme park, you know, it was a amusement park roller coaster, it'd be good to go. <laughs> but you yeah. know, there's there's so much more that we don't we can't see from the public views that's still going on. But like, I mean, and then we just saw the trains, which the like the actual trains with some really high definition photos, right? And my opinion is that they, it, it looks like because it was kind of funny because I was literally sitting at the car dealership getting my car serviced and I'm looking at like advertisements all around me for cars at the Mazda dealership. I'm like, oh, it looks like they hired a car designer to make the, the styling of it look like, uh, you know, the styling of a car, but not like a car bolted onto a roller coaster car, which I mean, sometimes looks good and sometimes looks stupid. But they're just so sleek looking and all the lighting. Oh, my God. Just mm-hmm. fantastic, right? Yeah. They, uh, everything looks great with the ride. Alan, I don't think we've gotten your opinions or thoughts on Velocicoaster yet with, like, all the reveals and stuff. Kind of what, what's, your, what's your thoughts on it? I haven't really been, like, paying a ton of attention to it. I mean, I'm aware that it exists. Um, I know that they finally announced it. I've, you know, seen plenty of pictures of the thing off ride and so on. And it looks good. I mean, it looks really, really good, but I'm not, um, I don't know. I just, I, it's not that I don't have any enthusiasm for it. It's just very difficult for me to like, think about, you know, the terms of it opening anytime in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it will. And, but I don't, I don't know exactly when I'll be getting up to Orlando. Eventually, you know, it'll happen. And again, <laughs> I was just there. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's it, it looks cool. I don't really have anything beyond that to say about it that's particularly interesting. I think it'll be a very good ride. And, you know, if you were in some way disappointed by the level of thrills that existed on Hagrid's, then 
my guess is that this will fulfill a lot of your desires. I, I think it's a pretty safe way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. All righty. Uh, next up on news real quick, we got uh, the announce. Well, the unveiling and the uh, announcement of the opening of Super Nintendo World in Japan. It's going to be opening February 4th? 4th, right? Am I crazy? Yep. Yeah, February 4th in uh, Universal Studios Japan. And it looks incredible. Uh, I really don't know what else to say besides that because, again, it, it was just kind of cue shots and stuff like that. But everything looks insane. And I, I everyone's kind of flipping out over it, too, um, which is super encouraging. Um, I just think this thing looks absolutely fantastic. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on it? I'll just throw it out in general. I'm saving my take for later. Okay. Cool. Alex, what's your take? Uh, it, we, I'm sorry, I wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> Universal Japan, right, you said? Yeah. Okay, so go uh, Mario Kart, Super Mario World. I mean, as a gamer, mm-hmm. like, I remember, you know, like, little Alex spending, you know, Saturday morning playing Super Mario 3 for hours on end, mm-hmm. like... This talks to me more than Potter, more than maybe even Star Wars. So walking into that land and being surrounded by that. I mean, when we just had, you know, one picture that's kind of a overall shot. We don't even, it, it, that one shot that's like, looks like, it's, it's amazing. It looks like the goddamn concept art. Like it, everyone's already said it. It's like they made the concept art a reality, which is just ridiculous. Uh, if you compare the two of them next to them, it's like, which one's the real one? Oh, the one with the actual bushes and the trash cans actually put place in the park. But uh, once you actually like are surrounded by it and walking into it, I assume by a, like a lower angle from where that picture is taken, like you're just just gonna be like, I'm in a video game. Like, and you've had some stuff in the past video game wise, but like nothing like this. The, this is a whole new level. And uh, the stuff that doing a Mario Kart, like, I don't understand what the ride is supposed to do, but all I know is it's supposed to be really special. And I, wow, <laughs> I can't wait to go or wait for it to open in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I just want to get that POV ready to go from like Yoshi and all that stuff in there. Oh. Just, it's going to be so good. That's, it's, oh man, it's going to be real good. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, um, everything looks great. Not much else to really add right now, um, but we'll know more soon, I think, because uh, it'll be open in a little under two months now. Jeez Louise. Right. Yeah. So, I think it's going to be a nope. nightmare, though, right now, though. I wouldn't want to visit it until all the restrictions are done because, I don't know. Well, you can't get there, for starters. Well, yeah, that's, that's also, a big one. That's a yeah. big problem. But, yeah, we probably won't be able the restrictions aren't going to be lifted until, like, all the other COVID restrictions are going to be really, you know, yeah. So anyone who thinks that they might be able to take a trip in, to Europe next year, yeah. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe you go to Belarus. Or, or maybe very late in the year, but, like. There, there's places you can go. It's just you're not going to want to go to those places for the most part. Like, most people are not going to be like, oh, yeah, you know what sounds great is a trip to Georgia. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, I mean, I might, but the average person's not going to be very hot about the idea of spending 
their summer vacation next year in Serbia. It's just not going to happen. So no, those, it's just not. I don't. I have better places to spend my money and my time. And and I, you know, I can wait because you yeah. know, yeah. We just start and explore the United States probably more next year. So. So again, I am just. I am just. I cannot thank. What every uh, just I am just so thankful that I got that Europe trip in in nineteen because, oh boy, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh boy, and when I was like starting to be planet, like it would have been the same time that all this stuff went down last year or this yeah this year it would just been like again because that was like my third attempt to go to Europe and yeah I'm just happy everything worked out the way it did and. Uh, you know, we can hopefully see the light at the end of the tunnel soonish. Mm-hmm. So, so. But I gotta say, though, just to, in, in, since I got into the COVID talk for a second, uh, Universal Orlando is still top-notch with uh, all the COVID operations. It's fantastic, and it's a little bit more uh, effectively run now. They put a lot of the barriers in the station, so they're running a lot more uh, rows on some st- Stuff. Like even mummies now has uh, every row, so and Sea uh, World was actually okay too, but which I'd heard terrible things about. Mm-hmm. But it, they were pretty false, so there you go. Nice. Alrighty, well, I don't I don't want to dive too much in the news because a lot of the other news is just depressing and sad and. Well, no, I want to talk about <laughs> okay. One. Talk okay, about Kennywood. Talk about Kennywood, because I, I have my thing about that. Well, we already talked about Kennywood. Oh, you did. That was on another podcast. I'm sorry. Well, yeah. like, here's my thing. Like, please get out your please get out your uh, Byron Curve <sighs> angst. Yeah, the Byron Curve, man. That's I don't understand that one. It's just because like they've spent so much money in rehabbing it in the last you know five years. It's like now it. I, it's just not the right way to do it. I understand everyone's hurting, but that's not the right way to do it. Especially where they're they're removing all those rides that are like one after another in that park. That that's center, that part of the park is going to just look so deserted. It it's uh, I would it, I mean I guess they just looked at which ones were the ones they needed to remove, but I would have thought a little bit more into it about how it's going to look to get park guests and stuff like that. So I I don't think they care at this time. Yeah. I, I, I I the the best thing that I can say, my best guess as to what they're thinking is, you know, maybe we can put this box it up for a little while and and bring it back. That's my yeah. that's my best hope. And then get everyone excited about that. So I mean, the, I, or or my hope is that they they're like. Uh, you know, ride the updated version of this because there's updated versions of a kangaroo and and enterprises and all that stuff. So uh, that's another thing that could go down that road eventually. Yeah, but so. it still sucks because it's these are you know that was the last flying coaster that I'm aware of that existed. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if any others that ever existed uh, because they were all gone such a long time ago. So, I mean, Bayer and Curve's not bad. That's that's rare, too. I mean, there's only yeah. one other in the United States, and Knobles might be getting another one this, yeah. next year. Yeah. Who knows? So, that's sad. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it, it's one of those things where I can barely even talk about it. Like, it's just such a... That was like a real gut punch. And, yeah, and all uh, in one day. Like, and that's like... I, it's just like... I don't know. It just—I it, wasn't that surprised from that that operator. That's the thing. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. And like, I know Six Flags is getting rid of 15 rides, but you know, you can guess that some of them, you know, some of them might be cool or interesting, unique things like Excalibur at St. Louis, which oh, they've never officially stated will go. But like, there's a lot of rides that like I could see, like, oh yeah, that might be something they they not they don't put up. And you're or doing it 15 done. parks over like 15 rides over like 15 parks, so it's like one ride a park. Basically, yeah, yeah, most likely. yeah, exactly. Like, and like, and like every park, a lot of parks can lose a ride. It's really not that big a deal for you know a Six Flags over Texas to lose one ride. You know, as long yeah, as that it, ride isn't one of a couple things, like it isn't. Um, you know, at least to me, like the dark rides would be things that I would really miss. But like, well, I know. mean, that's that's a that's another talk because that's kind of already gone, but not really. So they could just announce we're done with it. Yeah, exactly. Sand. Yeah, yeah. So, and I could see them removing Flume One and keeping Flume Two. Finally, yeah. There's there's a lot of stuff. St. Louis is the same way where they have two log flumes. I think. Yeah, but those ones are kind of built together, though. So that would be yeah. hard to remove both of them. Whereas. Over Texas, they built one, and they were like, "Hey, this is really popular. Let's build another one." <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I, I'm not like I said. I could, yeah. I could worry more about it, but um, until I see what they're closing, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get too too paranoid. There's plenty of things that I would not miss from those parks specifically. I, but I am, I am extremely bummed about what, what you know, what went down with Kennywood. Um, and yeah, you're right. Like it's not surprising from that operator because that operator, Parque Reunidos Palace is Entertainment, garbage. is garbage. Garbage. They're not good. But. No, except for what they're putting into movie park. That looks interesting. But like, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's yeah. where your money. That's where Kennywood's money is. Or rides are going. It's going to movie park apparently. Yeah, it's it's heading to Germany. Um, all right, let's. I, I want to talk about. I want to talk about trip stuff. Trips. Yeah. Your crazy last of the second trip. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't have been more last second, really. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll, I'll just get into it because there's plenty to cover here. Um, I was supposed to go to Hawaii, and that didn't happen. Um, I was supposed to leave on Thanksgiving Day, which would have been the 26th of November. And on the 20th of November, the rules changed with regards to travel to Hawaii. Um, so what happened was originally Hawaii, the deal was you would take a COVID test. If you didn't get the test back by the time you arrived, you just had to camp out in your hotel until you got the results back. And if they were uh, negative, then you were free to do whatever. And they changed that to before you get on the plane to Hawaii, it has to be negative, uh, which means you have to get tests back within, you know, 48 hours or so. And that's, on that weekend, virtually impossible to guarantee. So, under those circumstances, we had no choice but to cancel it. It sucked. I was not, like, thrilled about it, but, you know, we sat down and said, okay, we've got 
a week and a half. What can we do on four days notice? And we started to hatch a plan and we ended up driving from East Lansing, Michigan, all the way to Orlando, Florida. Uh, we left the day before Thanksgiving. So we left on well, the 24th and we got to Orlando. I'm sorry. We got, yeah, we, we left on the, uh, actually on the 25th, drove about seven hours after I got out of work and then finished the rest of the drive the next day on the 26th. And we were in Orlando all the way until Friday the 4th. So we were in Orlando for eight nights. And then we drove home and we stopped in Savannah and Charleston on the way. And Hilton Head, I guess, too. Um, we stayed in a house. We rented a house via Airbnb. Uh, I think it was like Orlando Villas and something rather was the uh, house owner. It was a four-bedroom, three-bathroom house in the Tuscan Hills neighborhood of Davenport, about 20, mil, 20 miles from, sorry, 20 minutes from D Disney World, had its own private heated pool, private hot tub, um, very highly rated hotel and, or not hotel, but house on Airbnb. And it was extremely good. I mean, we had like an air hockey table, we had foosball, we had a billiard table, we had all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, lots of TVs, all that jazz, and but mostly the, the heated pool, which basically meant that we were able to go swimming and go enjoy ourselves, and we didn't have to interact with other people, which is kind of important right now. Um, also having the house, that means that you can do things like, you know, go get food at a grocery store and cook. So I cooked a lot on the trip. Uh, we had, you know, food delivered to us as well, but you know, it was all, it, the whole trip was basically based around the idea, like, we can do this and do this in a fairly safe way. You know, we're not, we can't do a Disney World trip just like we would do in the old days. But maybe that's okay, because, you know, under the circumstances now, there's no penalty for not staying at Disney World. Um, as long as you have a ticket. And a reservation, as long as you have a ticket, you, you basically have the same opportunity to get a reservation to a Disney park. And once you have a reservation to a Disney park, there's nothing that separates you from anybody that stays at a hotel on property. You know, everything is exactly the same. Um, oh, yeah. They don't, have, they don't have extra magic hours. They don't have earlier access to uh, My Magic Plus because there is no My Magic Plus. Um there's no fast pass plus there's no ADRs all that stuff is out the window so once you kind of realize that you're like oh well then screw it i might as well just do whatever i want to do and it it creates a much more free form opportunity for doing stuff in orlando there's not really park hopping of any kind that's allowed so again it's like well you, i get you might as well just stay off property get a house it was about $200 a night for a house with a pool of our own that was five foot deep at the deep end with a hot tub and just chill there. It, it was such a good deal. I was so happy with it. Um, yeah. Houses are super underrated in Orlando. Absolutely. And they don't work for everyone, but they're great. Yeah. And, and like in a circumstance like this, like you could not, you could be better off. Like we had our own car already. Um, 
so there's no issues about worrying about you know getting one at the rental counter we already had it you know we needed that to get in so uh, or to get to Orlando. So, like, everything just worked in that sense. Um, weird trip plan. You know, this is a trip to Orlando. There's going to be theme parks, but it was not necessarily theme park-centric. I mean, we got there on Thanksgiving Day, probably around, like, 6.30 or so. We didn't do anything at all. We literally just got in the pool and, like, unpacked stuff. There was nothing more than that. Um, next day, we, which is Black Friday, I had forgotten a belt, so I bought a belt at TJ Maxx, and we got groceries. Like, that was the extent <laughs> of what we did that day. There was not even an attempt or a thought of, let's go to a park. Like, that never entered our mind at that stage. Um, but we did eventually go to a park. And the first park that we went to was Gatorland. We'd never been to Gatorland before. I don't know if either of you have been to Gatorland. I'm going to assume no for Joe. I want to, but I haven't yet. I'm sorry. I have have like no desire. If Ariel wants to go, I'll go. But like I'm fine with doing the little gator spot at Fun Spot. And I'm like, that's good enough for me. (laughs) So, So here's the deal. So we get there and, you know, entry is, I think, $30. I've never had this happen at a park before in my life. Uh-oh. Maybe one time at like Riverside in like 1996 where you get to the ticket booth and they're like, oh, do you have a Pepsi can? No, here's one for you. And they just gave me a discount. As I get there, they're like, oh, well, you can get this. This includes your admission and you get to like feed gators and it's $20 a person. So you save 10 bucks a person. I was like, okay. I, d- I didn't know that you wouldn't you would intentionally undersell me uh, and give me more things, but I'm not going to be mad about it. So we did that. Um, I didn't even end up actually feeding any gators, though the option existed. Um, But we did enjoy Gatorland as a whole. There's two mechanical rides at Gatorland. One is a train, which kind of goes around the property, and it's fine. The other's an SPF visa. <laughs> I, I wish. I, wish. I um, want to go to Fun Spot all of a sudden. I, I, gator, I, gator I will say, I mentioned this repeatedly. I was like, we should go to Andretti in Melbourne. I've never been to Andretti in Melbourne. My wife's like, when are we going to go? When are we go? I'm like, I just can't justify driving an hour and a half in this situation to get that. So we didn't. I skipped, I skipped going to Melbourne. I did not go there. But what Gatorland does have is the Gatorland Stompin' Gator Off-Road Adventure. Oh, yes. <laughs> and it's it's great. It is fantastic. I cannot say enough good things about the Stompin' Gator Off-Road Adventure. Um, it uses custom 12-foot-tall off-road vehicles, basically like a swamp buggy crossed with a monster truck. Um, it has proper social distancing, So, you know, not everybody is in the same row or not all rows are filled. It's like half capacity. It has a live spieler and a driver. Um, And basically the theme of the ride is that you are going to. (laughs) There's like a whole pre there's actually like a pre-show video (laughs) in which 
in which you you discover that um, where you were going to be going for the off road buggy has been taken over basically by a Walt Disney esque character. <laughs> who informs you that you, you're going to go on a very exciting, authentic Florida tour of fake cartoon animals for eight hours <laughs> in a in this very plasticine environment. Uh, this sounds the, like the thing I did at Land of Make Believe. While while the original uh, owner of the previous like alligator adventure thing, who is obviously also a professional wrestler, is like fighting off his henchmen, attempt to uh, revolt and re- get it back. And it is extremely... It plays heavily into the idea of Central Florida being filled with white trash. Okay. And is great. And being taken I, over by the Disney company. Yes. Yeah, and it, it there's alligators. And uh, there's huge hills. Like these big like speed bump things you go over with this gigantic truck. Uh, it's basically like Jungle Cruise in that you get you know ridiculous commentary. Um, you go by a bunch of scenes that are set up like you know the trailers that uh, the previous owner Gator Joe, or not Gator Joe, but um, whatever the, the character's name is in the ride, um, was living in, and it has like a sign. It's like, don't bother trying to sell us anything. We're broke. Like written on the side of it. Like it's. Just, it's it's so it's super corny and it's so great, it's so good. Um, you you sold me on Gatorland. Gator like and honestly, Gatorland, I would say had the highest mass compliance of any park we went to. I don't know how that is. Socially distanced skunk ape. That's why. Yeah, and, and socially distancing <laughs> skunk ape does roam the park. Um, <laughs> it's actually a very good suit. That the person wearing the skunk ape has. There's also Santa Gator. You can get some pictures of in an airboat. Um, and there are alligators and other animals too. I mean, there's like there's a bobcat. There's a Florida panther. There are raccoons. There are all sorts of various reptiles and of course alligators. Lots and lots of alligators and crocodiles. There are crocodiles. Um. Which, of course, they remind you immediately, crocodiles are not alligators. They are significantly more terrifying. Um, You know, they eat like a hundred times as many people as great white sharks do. You know, like stuff like that. But yeah, I I have to say, like, whatever my expectations were of Gatorland, like it exceeded it. I thought thought Gatorland ruled. Very, very pro-Gatorland and free parking. So, like, if you can get the deal that I did for 20 bucks to get in and you pay nothing for parking, there's basically nothing cheaper to do in Orlando. I don't think the Central Florida Zoo is that cheap. I think that's, like, 17 or 20 bucks. And Central Florida Zoo is not very good. Um, so, really impressed with Gatorland all the way around. Um, I also went to Bush Gardens. That was actually the last park of the trip. And uh, I can't say the same about Bush Gardens in terms of their masking policy. There's signs there, but you know the number of people who we saw that had no masks or were wearing them improperly or just choosing to kind of like drink a beverage and walk around so they didn't have to wear a mask was you know decent. I would say compliance was around eighty five percent, but you know you notice those fifteen percent. And nobody even attempted to socially distance in the queue lines, which was really irritating. 
Um, there was no attempt made to remind people of social distancing guidelines. Just like a whole lot of nothing in terms of enforcement. Um, had not been on two of the coasters of that park previously. Had not been on Tigris. It's fine. Is the way I would put it. It's perfectly fine. It's one of those. It's one of those. You know, it's a skyrocket. It's it's fine. Um, I didn't really have any major issues with the comfort straps, though I don't find them comfortable, and I find them actually incredibly irritating to get around me when I try to get in and out of the car. But, you know, it is what it is. Cobra's Curse is the other thing that's new to me there, and it's fine also. I, I didn't really think that highly of it. It's a nice. decent family coaster, the Q-Line, which was adopted from like a weird walkthrough attraction that was kind of standalone there, is good. Um, theming's decent. Uh, it's a fun ride. It's a good family ride. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot to say about it from that angle aside from that. Like, it's it's fine, but um, I guess the way I would put it is I expect it to be Basically, you know, what you get out of writing or will get out of writing Guardians of the Galaxy, except it's outdoors and you can do it now instead of three years from now. So um, other than that, you know, Road Montu, which is really good. Oh, Road God, Kumba, so good. you know, Montu is running really, really well. Kumba is, is a little shaky after the block break, but it's an old ride at this point. It's getting close to 30, you know. Um, can't act like it. I was surprised by that. Scorpion was really fun. Got a front seat ride on that. A lot of stuff was closed. Um, Skyride's closed. Shikra was closed. The Log Flume was closed. Um, the Rapids ride was closed. There was just, obviously, all the, the live entertainment, for the most part, is, is pretty much closed on a weekday which we were there on, on a Thursday. So there's some long stretches there um, where we were just like, there's nothing to do here. Like there's just no attractions. There's no, you know, Rhino Rally's obviously gone. So that's out the door. Um, there's just a bunch of stuff that just wasn't there and was down. Falcon's Fury was down for most of the day. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's tough to... To say that I was like ecstatic about my my visit to Bush Gardens, William, or Bush Gardens Tampa, simply because of how they dealt with the COVID issues and and because of all the stuff that was down, um, you know, it just kind of feels. It doesn't feel. I don't feel bad about it. I just it feels kind of like every time I go to Bush Gardens Tampa, I keep thinking like, boy, I love Bush Gardens Tampa a lot more during X like when I was there in 2010 or when I went like in 2003, like it's, it's always like a constant, like it was better in my mind at some past point and it's not like improving. We did get a really good deal based on the black Friday stuff. So we got a half off for the penguin encounter and we got to uh, see the penguins in the enclosure. We actually got to uh, pet a penguin and uh, oh that was, man that sounds that great was, it, was like, it was like 50% off it's like $15 for 
for each of us to go in there and do that. And that was a great deal for us. Um, I, I, I am very hopeful that when COVID is over, you know, Iron Gwazi gets up and running and I can stop, you know, being concerned with my safety at Bush Gardens and not getting some horrible respiratory disease from going there. Um, or at least just a milder one that, you know, I can work through. Because uh, I, I like that park a lot. I think the bones of that park are as good as anything that's in Florida. It's just a matter of them, you know, putting everything together and having, you know, a suitable product. Because there was also a lot of, like, one train operation. Like, it wasn't a dead park, but, you know, I'm not going to wait an hour for Cheetah Hunt. It's just not going to happen at this stage. Especially under those circumstances. Yeah, it's SeaWorld Parks, it's for me, I think all the parks are fantastic. It's just a lot about the operations. Yeah, I, I love their... I've, I've never had anything bad to really say about the SeaWorld Parks, and I've had some really great times at them. I just want them to do a little better than they are right now. That's all. It's not... I don't think it's that big of an ask, but, I, you know, hopefully when this is all over, they're still around, and we get good stuff out of it. That's all. That's all I can ask for. Um. Yeah, it's a shame because, like, of all the parks that was really, re- really rebounding from a lot of unfortunate, you know, series of events, SeaWorld was really starting to rebound and doing some amazing things. And then this just really put the brakes on a lot of their plans, it looks like. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on at, like, the executive level with them either. There's a lot of questions about SeaWorld, and I can't argue that any of those exist. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's there's a lot of uncertainty with them. I just want them to do fine. And and like I said, when I go to Bush Gardens Tampa and I walk around, I think like what this park has on paper is as good as anything else here. Um, it just needs to all be. It just the all needs to come together. Like if it all comes together, and when it does all come together, like it'll it'll be great. Um, and that's all I want for it. just for it to live up to you know what that park can be. But I know that the primary reason that people are listening to this is not to hear my review of Tigris. I know that's not the value of us doing this. It's it's the Disney stuff. Like, people love Disney. Love <laughs> Reportedly, love yes. Disney. Yes. Uh, the numbers certainly say that they do. So we went to Epcot, which I had been to in 2019. Uh, so it was not, you know, something that I hadn't been to in forever. Went to Magic Kingdom, which I had not been to in five years. And we went to DHS, which I had not been to in since 2019, but had a bunch of stuff that opened since the last time I was there in like February of 2019. So we'll start with Epcot. Um, that was the first of the Disney parks we went to. We went the Monday after Thanksgiving weekend. And it was what I'm told is a common occurrence if one goes to Epcot. There was nobody there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, since we last podcast, Alan, I, I went to Epcot. And we haven't, I haven't talked about that. So, uh, yeah, I went on a Thursday and there was nobody there. It was great. I mean, when I say there's nobody there, there were times there was one point where my wife and I went and had a pretzel outside of what's like the Epcot experience and the old Odyssey. Oh, that thing's awesome. We were there sitting there eating the pretzel for about 20 minutes and two people walked past us. 
It wasn't that dead for me, but it was certainly uh, not normal. I mean, I, I would say conservative estimate, 2,000, 3,000 people in the park, um, which for a Disney park is hideous. It looked like at times like I was at Motion Gate in Dubai, like a similar level of busyness. Oh, God. For the most part. Um which is bad for Disney's bottom line, but great for me. Uh, because it means I don't have to wait for, for very much at all. Um, I was on this podcast, you know, about a little over a year ago talking about all this stuff. Um, and I can tell you that having been on every mechanical ride at Epcot again on this trip, uh, with the exception of the boat that goes around World Showcase... None of my opinions have really actively changed too much. Um, to kind of rehash what was in that podcast, whatever episode it was, I think the new Soren is bad. Mm-hmm. I think. Oh my god! I did Soren. I did that too. That that last scene of the Eiffel Tower is embarrassing. It, it's bad. It's like everything about it is bad. I don't like it. The best thing I can say about, and I had about the best seat you can possibly have. We were, you know, towards the middle um, on, like, the second row of seats, I think. So, like, about as close to dead center as you can get. And I got to say, it's not good. Like, nothing about it is good. The CGI is terrible. Um, You know, uh, these are all complaints that I had the last time, too. And, And the fact that I waited only, like... 10 minutes, like it was a walk-on. I walked on to Soren. Like, that should be a very clear indication of how bad things are at Epcot right now. Like, I was looking at, like, three-hour waits at Soren the last time I was there. I walked on Soren. The only thing that I didn't walk on was Test Track. Um, uh, admittedly, I got to Norway early on in the day, so it wasn't much of a line, but I don't think it really got past 40 minutes when I was there. And that's that's the Disney claim of 40 minutes. It's usually about double of what the actual time is. So, like, Test Track says it's 35, you'll be on in about 20. If Frozen says it's 40, you'll be on in 20. Like, it's stuff like that. Um, but no, Soren is not... It's not very good. The, the video is cheesy and bad. Um... I, I just I just don't like it. I don't like anything about it. I don't like I don't like the new test track. I think test track two is bad. Also, I think it looks terrible. Um, I will say that for whatever reason, I thought it looked slightly less terrible this time when I wrote it. But I find it boring. I think it's actually a ride that they made worse. I know I'm very not in the general consensus viewpoint on that one, but it does nothing for me. Um, I- I I never did test track one, so I have nothing to compare it to. I think it's a fun time. I think it's overrated. It's it's kind of boring. Like it, you know, it it does this. It's got like this Tron kind of graphic thing that's going on now. And oh yeah, it's totally Tron without Tron being at the park or in the name. But but like the stuff that it does as far as like being a test track, it's not really clear why it's doing it. Like, yeah, it feels like a theme park ride. It doesn't feel like a test track. I see what you're saying there. Yeah. I, I just, I don't, I don't dig it. I, I realize now that I don't like seas with Nemo and friends. 
I think it sucks. Yeah, I skipped that. It, it's boring. Um, we did it because I had no line. It's an Omnimover, but like halfway through, I'm like, I regret this. Like, I walked I, into, just did the uh, aquarium because I was like, I don't need to ride that again. I just want to see the fish. Uh, Journey into Imagination. Um, again, I know highly controversial viewpoint. If it didn't replace what had been there in its first iteration, you know, people would not hate it nearly as much as they do. It's not really good, but it's not as hideously bad as a lot of people say it is. Um, Mission Space. I had never done the green side before in my life. I was unaware that there was a separate film for the green side. Yeah, that's pretty recent. Yeah, Yeah, it's like within the last two years, right, Joe? Yeah, something like that. When they uh, switched over from Gary Sinise to the uh, current lady as the host, they added a a specialized just green film, which I still haven't done either. Orange is still orange. Like, the the amount of positive Gs that it pulls... Oh, my God. It's not that I'm... Yeah, I guess I am uncomfortable with it. I just don't enjoy it. Like, there's I nothing... love it. I don't see. I'm not like a giant positive G guy. It's not that guy. I don't know. I just like it because I feel like I'm, you know, like you know, the right stuff, like in a test, you know, like in a centrifuge, like you know, that, that's I, well, that is what it is. I know that's why I love it because I love I like NASA, like the technology of it. I don't I, honestly, I don't really care about the science of NASA. I care more about the the getting there and and doing these things and the 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 technology that goes beyond you know behind making these things happen the results i actually don't don't really interest me which is kind of funny but did you go to space camp i wish i I wasn't he he never went on double dare or or legends of the hidden temple so how could he go to space camp (laughs) (laughs) i actually Uh, went to space camp that's badass awesome no they're like yeah it was i was like i wasn't into that back then i was into trains and i think dinosaurs a little bit but i was not into space stuff until uh, probably later probably my adult life so it's i look back and i'm like oh Damn. Of course, you trains. You're a coaster enthusiast. Right? Yeah, I know. That's kind of where it came from and went to. Yeah. Surprise, um, surprise. I actually, I really like Mission Space Green. I don't care who hears it. I don't, as far as like a simulator goes, it's one of the le- less offensive ones to me. It's small. Um, it's kind of interesting. It doesn't, it doesn't make me feel sick or make me question my choices in life. I don't have to wait almost any time for it at all. It's just always available for you. I'm fine with I, it. I um, I did that one first because I don't want to be disappointed, uh, maybe disappointed by orange or, or by green by doing orange first. And I wrote green first and I was like, this, uh, this is a great time. And then I did orange. I'm like, this is even a better time. I'm good. It's, it, it, I, and the, the fact that there are two different films is great. Well, you know, one, one takes you to Mars and one takes you within the, you know, you know the outer right. orbit. Yeah, I think it's cool. It's basically like two separate rides. They should have done it a, a, a long ass time ago. I I agree. I agree. Um, uh, Spaceship Earth. I enjoy it, kind of, but I also like my wife and I both got off of it the first time we wrote it. And we're like, this feels hollow and empty now, doesn't it? Yeah, like, it just looks busted. It's it's that, but also the message. Like the internet will bring about a new renaissance. And I'm like looking around. I'm like, you sure? 
You sure that's what happened? Because I'm looking around, it looks like it's bringing in a new Dark Ages. Mm. So I think it's, you know, it's kind of like, like a lot of these things have these great, really nice messages, but then you're like, you're looking around like, I don't know, man. Like, the internet also gave people the opportunity to, like, make up complete garbage and, like, worship Trump. So I can't really say I'm a huge fan. Um, living with the land. Uh, we did it during the day and at night when they have Christmas lights on. Ooh, best holiday awesome. overlay. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Frozen. I still like Frozen. I think it's a good ride. I can't really... I know under you know a bunch of stuff that it's basically Maelstrom, but it doesn't really feel that way to me. And I think it's it's solid. It's good. They changed um, enough with the beginning so it doesn't go right into the lift that it doesn't feel like Maelstrom. I kind yeah. of feel. Yeah, no, that helps. And uh, but like, even even if it did to some degree, like you know what happens on the right is so dramatically different that I don't really have an issue with with how they remade that. I know a lot of people are upset because uh, it doesn't have you know enough capacity or whatever. You know, look, they're building Ratatouille and they're building a Guardians of the Galaxy coaster. Like they built an additional theater for Soren. They've added capacity to that park. I'm not really gonna, you know, sweat it too much. It's, it's fine. Um, going down the line, we also did the Grand Fiesta tour, which is definitely a boat-based dark ride. Um, and that's where I'm going to leave it at. I suggest the tequila shots afterwards. That's a fun time. <laughs> um, or before. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I will say there's no shortage of alcohol in Epcot. That is definitely true at this point. Like, I, I've i always been kind of like, oh, come on, you guys are overdoing it, talking about how much alcohol there is in this park. No, 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 at this point it is. Like, it's there's a bar, like, every 30 feet in that place. Um, or an opportunity to buy booze. And, which is fine, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just pointing out that, yeah, that's pretty, pretty much the situation going on there. Um Ate lunch at Spice Road Market. Um, now that Morocco has stopped giving money to Disney, a bunch of stuff got closed. But that's still open and has good food. And most importantly, is pretty much the majority of his outdoor dining. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel bad or concerned about eating there. And the food is good. And I like Mediterranean food. So worked out great. And then there was actually something new to do. I got to do a new thing. Yay! I got to do Canada Far and Wide. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. I did that too. I cried because I thought about all my friends in Canada that I haven't seen in months. I thought about the fact that the border is 90 minutes from me and I can't go. And I saw a whole bunch of places, most of which I've been to. And I missed them all. So I felt terrible. Um, but I really like Canada. And I'd like I, to go back. When they did the Nova Scotia portion, I almost cried. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, it was like immediate. Like, no, like they went through everything. They had Nova Scotia, Ottawa. great. Quebec thought- City, Montreal. Like, all the way. The only thing they missed out was, like, you know, they skipped the major cities of the Plains and they skipped Edmonton. And Victoria, which they could have done. But they talked about the freaking Utah t- territories in Nunavut. 
So I, I, I wish they, had, as you said, they skipped things. I wish then like they had uh, detailed more of that stuff and not had such a long ending. I thought the ending was a little exaggerated. Once you went through all the different provinces and all that, I, I kind of was like, I'm good. And, and I don't know. It's basically and, and, borrowed from the old film. Like okay. the, the ending is basically the old ending. Oh, and, and that song felt straight out of some kind of SeaWorld song. Or yeah, it's a song. Oh, Canada? Yeah. No, no, they have concluding song. As far as yeah. like, they basically do this segment where at the end, and this is straight from the old films, where the, um, in the 360 degree camera, sure. there's a bunch of bounties that come around. Yes. And then they start doing different <laughs> scenes to this, like, really <laughs> cheesy, like you said, like, SeaWorld. Um, it's the same composer of the old uh, One Ocean uh, yes. soundtrack. <laughs> I would not be surprised. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like how, like, Frozen, like, you're listening to it and you're like, yo, this sounds a lot like, um, sounds a lot like uh, Book of Mormon. And they find, oh, it's the same people. That's why. Okay. That, that makes sense. I had no idea. Really. Yeah. Now you know. <laughs> yeah, Frozen is the same composer as yeah. like, their music. That's, is. that's hilarious. And Finding Nemo the Musical. Yes. Yeah. So just, you know, picture everything involving Book of Mormon now. And Avenue Q. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Don't forget yeah. Avenue Q. That's, that is quite the, that's quite the diversity. Book of Mormon, Avenue Q on one end, and then Frozen and Finding Nemo the Musical on the other. That's that is that is a nice divergence. Oh boy. Uh, so, anyways, uh, basically that was my time. We were at Epcot, pretty close, open to close, and um, it was it was all right. Like as as bad as Epcot is at this stage because of all the construction walls and the fact that like. One of the communicores has basically been torn down, and like half of the other one's gone, and it's kind of a mess. Um, oh yeah, that center nope, hub is a mess. Nobody's there, um, so you can go on rides. And the people that are there are the kind of people that would go to Epcot, so they're people that would wear masks. So it kind of it's kind of nice. Also, we did go in the World Showcase Pavilion where they're having like a stage and a gingerbread white house capital set up and we were there for like 30 seconds honestly it looks bad i, I think it looks really cheesy it looks like uh it looks like a, a, a holiday in ballroom that's been converted yeah i went in there for joe food and wine was it yeah they have they'd have it open for food and wine and some things like yeah that. it was not good in there that have building any of you, is kind of embarrassing have, have any of you all been in the restrooms in the world show place Drew, no. the, the intern, was like, "You have to see these." They it's are. Like, he was like hyping it up. He was just like, "It's they are you have the, to see these." They are. You, Disney can get some large bathrooms. These are designed. So basically, Ridiculous. World Showplace. So World Showplace was designed for like you know you could actually host like a major corporate event there without having to use Epcot at all. Right. So the bathroom facilities are designed to basically handle that place stacked with people. So it is just a fucking cavern. It, it's a line of like 30 urinals in a row. I just wish I could have ran. I wish I could have ran close enough to the mall to set them all <laughs> off in a, in a sequence. <laughs> it, was, it was, I was like, what do you, why do I need to see these bathrooms so bad, Drew? He's like, just wait. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> 
Can I say one thing about um, um, Soren really quickly? Sure. Because I had some things to say about that. I had a good time, and I also found that the seat dividers was actually just – that was the, the, the coolest solution ever, to just use a uh, booster seat with, with a uh, plexiglass bolted to it. Yes, yes. It, yes. I, yeah. that, that's uh, – the ingenuity of that, I appreciate that. Um, but I enjoyed it, but here's the thing. Let's talk about Valorium at Europa. Um, the film is better, I thought, which had a lot of CGI and, and like uh, some people I don't think like the transitions that they use at Europa and Volatarium, but uh, I thought it was okay. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I thought it was the, the shortcomings of Soren were not nearly as distracting as anything that Europa did. And what I really liked about Europa was is that the queue line was an experience where Soren just is a hallway. It's 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 not even a good hallway. And, it's a bad hallway. Uh, yeah, it's and a, Valerium, it's a bad hallway with like screens. Literally, Valerium screen, like, is about like the history of flight and just props everywhere, like a huge, you know, airplanes, old and new, hanging from the ceiling, centered and mounted. It just it's all surrounding. It really gets you into the to the. The, the experience where that just felt like you're, I knew I was, I knew, I knew, I mean, I knew I was going to go into a film, but it felt like I was just entering any movie theater. Uh, you know, my, my general thought on this is, and I've said this before when, when we've talked about Soren, um, when I compare like going on Soren to, Many of the "quote unquote" Soren clones, like Flying Dreams at Ferrari Land, or This Is Holland, or uh, the Flyover America, Flyover Canada, Flyover China things, the clones usually win out for me because this is like so. This thing is so cheesy, and like the the cutscenes are so bad. You know, always throwing stuff in our faces to to get to the next scene, whereas like the old Soren just has cuts. Um, you know, and like comparing it to like Krish, like Krish is an actual attempt at building a themed attraction. Soren is and will probably for always be to me like a demo reel of what this kind of attraction can do, and I'm just not hot on it. And I I don't think I don't think I'm ever going to be hot on it. It just is what it is. I know you haven't done it, but how do you feel about Disney Sea? How they built an experience around? Uh, I did it. The pre. Oh, you did. Yeah, I did. Oh it. shit! So how do you, does that make it any better that it, it has a better you know pre ride experience? Well, the end is better because they don't have the Eiffel Tower. They take you to Tokyo. <laughs> so that's does the Tokyo Tower look like the letter C? It doesn't look as bad as this. Okay. I mean, it's not perfect, but it doesn't look like this. <laughs> And, and, it looks and like the letter C. Why? Yeah, it looks, it's bent. I mean, it looks ridiculous. I, I, I know understand it's a, that it's a curved scene, scene, but like I am pretty sure, knowing what I know about photos and photography, you can uh, morph Alex, that image Alex, to not set it on image. the screen properly. It's a, it's CGI. It's they can even, do whatever they it's want. It's real. To make it work. What the hell? They, <laughs> what are they not real. thinking? It's not real. It's not real. It's not real. Well, it's the good CGI. The, the, the pyramids the, aren't the, real. 
Um, quality of what you're looking at then is fine, but how they presented it is terrible then. It looks better than the CGI for Taj Mahal or the, the Great Pyramids because they, <laughs> it's at night, you know, which is why they do so many, you know, giant CGI productions. Like the fight scenes end up being at night because then you don't have to spend as much time detailing it. That's yeah, so why, like, you watch freaking um, uh, Pacific Rim. Every time they fight, it seems like they're fighting at night in the water. <laughs> and there's there's a reason for it. It's to save time <laughs> during the CGI. Oh, okay. So, anyways, um, I just I don't think that highly of Soren. I know I'm not alone on that. I probably prefer the old one more. The best thing about it is uh, when we were flying over Fiji, and they spray you with you know, tropical island scents or whatever. Uh, I let a fart loose. Like I was able to get away with that. I, I will do. I will say credit where credit is. Uh, they did create a ride genre. Oh sure. So, I mean, there, I can't. I can't take that away from them. But no, I, I, I still think that, yeah, and even soaring in California, which is slightly better, I think the Q, slightly. Um. I, that one makes more sense, I think, right? The 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 Epcot one, I don't know what you would theme the Q do, but like, not that. Well, the California one, you know, when they play Soren over California, which they did for a little while last year, mm. and attempt to draw people back to the park after everything took a dump. Um, you know, I mean, oh my I, god, I forgot about that. Wow. Oh, we'll get into it. Don't worry. No, I forgot how about how bad Disneyland did last year because it. I mean, last year just feels like forever. It feels ago. like the shortest time and the longest time ago <laughs> at the same time. Let's <sighs> let's talk about Magic Kingdom. I want to talk about Magic. Okay, Kingdom. you go. So next day, Magic Kingdom. Um, one thing I want to explain to people too about going to Disney in in this present scenario. The opening times are largely a suggestion. And, and what I mean by that is, according to the official calendar for when we were going to Walt Disney World, um, Epcot Center was listed as having been open 12 to 9. No. The, the reality. It opened way earlier. The reality is, if you get there at the time that the parking lot opens which is around like 11 10 you can get in and start writing stuff same is true at magic kingdom same is true at the studios um magic kingdom we got into the gate at about 9 40 with plenty of other people around us because we took the boat i have to say that the current situation at that park given that you have to park and either take a monorail or the boat over is miserable it's always been miserable, but it's extra bad now because they did not do a particularly good job of trying to make sure people were spaced out on the boat before it left. Like, we ended up moving a couple of times from our little dot that we're supposed to stand on because other people just didn't care. I would come stand next to you. Um, and nothing was done about until, like, three-quarters of the way through the trip, which I found deeply irritating. Um, it, Alan? Yeah. Like, here's the thing. Like... At the beginning of this, I was like, I was so naive. 
I'm, we're going to get political here for a second. Yeah, I was so naive. I thought everyone would want to, you know, keep everyone safe and, and do the right thing. Um, they can they can only do so much, and uh, in, in some cases, if you want to put yourself in these theme parks and you want to, uh, you know, keep yourself the safest you can possibly be, you, you, you're going to have to speak up eventually, occasionally, yeah, no. if you're going to put yourself in the situation. Oh, no, no, and, no, I agree, I agree. But now, as how much I know about the world and how, um, in the United States in particular, uh, it, it just doesn't surprise me anymore. No, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying yeah. I was shocked, but like, what what was irritating to me was the lack of response by Disney. Okay, uh, because you know, I I expect people to act like morons, but my expectation is that at some point somebody at the park is going to speak up and do something because that's what I became accustomed to this summer, going to places like Cedar Point and seeing people out in the midways reminding people to pick, put their masks back up. Um. Or, or seeing it at other parks. And I did not see that at Magic Kingdom or at, or at Epcot. Epcot I did to some degree. Much less so at Magic Kingdom and DHS. And I think that's because of the crowd that those parks pull in. Um, I mean, we saw, like, there was just some wacky stuff. I saw one girl at Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. You know, as you're, you're kind of, like, in the queue line, like the official queue line in that ride... Uh, before you get into the queue house, you go down, basically down embankment, and like there's a retaining wall that's above it that's about eleven to twelve feet tall. Um, like the girl jumped off of that into her dad's arms, and I really should have gotten the cell phone out for that because I was impressed. Uh, it was a little bit like watching a, a lucha libre match. Um, usually, I don't expect like a 12 year old girl to take a, like an 11 foot fall. Uh, but that happened. Um, just like just ridiculous shit constantly. And again, I'm not shocked by it necessarily, but I was a little disappointed in the lack of, of any preparations or any like care from Disney. And part of that is, I think the cast members at this point are so sick and tired of being abused that they just don't try. Um, Let's see. Rivers of America is empty and bereft of water. So you can't go to Tom Sawyer Island. Uh, we did ride Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, which is fun. Road Splash Mountain for what I assume will probably be my last time. It's mm. it's Splash Mountain. It's, it's fine. Uh, did not get on Pirates of the Caribbean because it had a 50-minute wait. And then it went down. And we just did not feel like waiting for it to come back up. We've we've been on all the more, you know, higher quality Pirates of the Caribbean. And this is the lowest rent one. So I can live without riding it. We did ride Haunted Mansion. I haven't been on a Haunted Mansion in years. Same with my wife. It's fun. I like Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansions are good. They're all good. They're all good Haunted Mansions. Um, Little Mermaid. You know, it's a ride. Um, I don't understand the hatred for it because it does ostensibly the same thing that all, all the you know, classic Fantasyland dark rides do. But I feel the same way about Monsters, Inc. at um, at, at Disney's California Adventure. Same thing. Uh, it's fun. It's fine. It's inoffensive. It's something to do. Seven Doors Mine Train. 
you know, I got to wait for it in the major in the main queue line. It took about 45 minutes, which is better than you would expect on any given day. It's very Seven Torves mind trainy, you know, like it, it the swinging motions there a little bit. It's not that fast. It's got a couple decent drops. There's lots of rock work. If those are the things that you're looking for, you know, some degree of motion, mild drops and lots of rock work, then it's probably a really solid coaster for you. Space Mountain's fun. Space Mountain, like, gets after it. I would I love, love to know. I, I like Space Mountain. Different. Yeah, I would love to know what's different about Space Mountain's cars and, and the new ones on Matterhorn. I'm sure there's something mechanical there in the chassis, but like the the seating and the lap bars look basically identical to me. Um, it's got airtime, man. Like that ride, that ride goes. Space Mountain's Space good. Mountain. Yeah, Space Mountain's good. Space Mountain cars are so much better than the Matterhorn cars. Those are kind of they're not terrible. They're not good though. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like I had no issue with with Matterhorn. I know a lot of people do. But we wrote it, and I, I had no big problems with it. I, I'll never hate Matterhorn. It doesn't matter what they do yeah. to it, but I'll I love it forever. Yeah. Uh, did Swiss Family Treehouse because that was fun. Skipped a lot of stuff that we usually would have done because the lines were just not what we were up to after the previous day at Epcot. You know, so we skipped Jungle Cruise. Um, skipped the Tiki Room, which I don't even know if it was going. I assume it was. I mean, they had they had freaking. Uh, there was a crowd of people outside Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor, which I thought had been closed. It is closed. So I don't know if I imagined that. <laughs> that was just a fever dream or what. Or if it was an extended queue line for Buzz Lightyear, that makes more sense. I think it's more that, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to ride that Buzz Lightyear because it's garbage. Truth. Facts. Um, 100%. Complete crap. I don't yeah. care about the Speedway. I don't care about writing their Dumbo. I don't care about Barnstormer now that I have the credit. So there was like, there's some good stuff at that park. I, I, we ate a Pinocchio village house. Um, we briefly considered the idea of going to whatever the one full service restaurant is that has outdoor seating. Um, the Italian one, Tony's. Oh, Ooh, ooh, no, no, no. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. We read the review of it on, uh, on touring plans, which referred to it as food for dogs <laughs> and decided that that seemed bad. So we tried Pinocchio village house instead. What we were stunned by is there, it seemed that they did not have the outdoor seating available when we ate there first thing in the morning, like at 11 o'clock or whatever, when it was open, like there were people like kind of scanning the outdoor seating to prevent people from getting out there. There were no doors that were open out to it. The, like the doors that say out to it led to a rope in front of it. Um, we didn't like that because I didn't want to eat indoors. So we just like scarfed it down really quickly in a very remote part of Pinocchio's village house and left. Um, and the pizza was horrible. It was absolutely terrible pizza. So I would not recommend that you eat at Pinocchio village house. Unless so, I think Something what they very wrong. I think what they did is they moved the menu of Columbia Harbor House to the Tomorrowland Terrace that's all outside. So that's like an I think a really good option if you like seafood or stuff like that. And I would have absolutely loved to have eaten at that if it had been open. Yeah. But it's not. Uh I guess it will be sometime soonish. Yeah, I think that's the thing. They're going to do it. I 
It's idiotic that it's not open. But mm-hmm. I agree. Who am I? I'm I'm just some guy. I don't know anything. Um, but feel free to read my new paper about geography <laughs> and CPAP <laughs> adherence, the Journal of Clinical Sleep Medicine. Um. Anyways, so you know, it, it's it's it was a much busier place than Epcot. Um. We found some time. We killed actually a bit of time. There's this area behind Liberty Square, which is kind of fun because you can see how the roof lines of Liberty Square intersect with Adventureland from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like kind of backstage. Like it looks like there's a sign up area for where you would have gone to do like Legends of the Magic Kingdom or whatever the heck their game is called there, the card thing. Um, but we, you know. We just kind of looked at it. It's like in the back of the old Christmas shop. And and I would recommend that if you're looking for a quiet place to go, that's a good quiet place to go. There's nobody back there. Um, I will not go to Hall of Presidents possibly ever again. Hell no. There's like a 0% chance until they... I, I would rather they just remove it. Like, I don't even care if they put Joe in there. Like, I just don't even want to see it. <laughs> yeah, that's my thing, too. I, I, I certainly won't see it in, until that man is not front and center. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 100% with I've you. actually never seen it. So, not because uh, I haven't been to the park during a proper day. I've only done some special events since uh, the last time I was there during a normal day was 2001. So, well, I, I think, I think your, your life may not necessarily be poor for that. Um, yeah, it's, it, my life will not be changed by that. I, I, I'd like to see it just because I like to yeah. try everything, but like, yeah. I, I, no, I will look. And when if he ever, do the other president, the other presidents typically talk for a second too, though, right? Yeah, they all have. Oh, I will look away when that man starts talking. <laughs> well, usually, usually after they're done being president, they don't have them talk anymore. Yes, that too. Yeah. Oh, they don't. So some, but some of them, the 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 the. the more famous presidents talk. Yeah, it's like Lincoln still. and like Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Washington and Jefferson. They get to talk. Good. Uh, maybe maybe Andrew Jackson, but like, you know, his crimes against humanity were 200 years ago, so it's a lot easier to, <laughs> to ignore them. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, they yeah, live like, with the benefits of them. Like, you, you know, everybody that holds a $20 bill has like a war criminal. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of tough to, to have the same kind of vitriol towards them. Um, I saw Tron being put up. Looks looks like Tron. It looks like the uh, looks like the W Abu Dhabi, um, formerly the Yaz Viceroy. Uh, it, I'm sure it'll be fine. I don't know why that ride is is at Magic Kingdom and not say at Epcot in Future World. Thank you. But I guess I guess. Um, I guess basically the future world and Tomorrowland have exactly the same theme and mission. I, I don't know. I got nothing there. I, you know, whatever. It's another coaster. I don't even care if it's that great. It's just another ride. I can check it off and, you know, that's nice. Um, you know, we left there. We actually left pretty early. We left around like 3.30 or 4 o'clock and went back and like took naps and went swimming. Like there was nothing... Nothing big about what we were trying to do with Magic Kingdom that day because there was nothing really new for us there, um, except maybe to do Jingle Cruise, and that was too long of a wait. 
also kind of a weird circumstance. I don't know exactly what Jingle Cruise is looking like in terms of barriers and the rest of it. Um, but I, I can live without Jingle Cruise, I suppose. Did they, didn't they not do that last year, Joe? Uh, I don't think they did last year. Yeah, yeah I don't think they did Jingle Cruise last year. Yay, COVID brought it back. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank the Lord for this tragic disease. <laughs> they, and the 300,000 dead Americans. They shipped all the decorations from California over Orlando. They're like, hey, we don't need these anytime soon. Yeah, yeah they're like, we're not going to open forever. <laughs> you guys just enjoy this. Oh, I was like, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get right on it. Right on it. Um, so studios. Now we get, yes. to, uh, we get to talk about the fun stuff. Um, I made sure to wake up nice and early. Refreshed my phone constantly, got a boarding group of 70. So I was like, all right, check. Uh, we left, we got to the parking lot about 10 minutes before it opened. So we were like the 10th or 11th car through. And we made our way immediately. I know that this isn't what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go ride Slinky Dog first now. I don't care. I've been on Slinky Dog already. We rode Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Mm-hmm. Alex, have you been on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway? No, because I haven't been since uh, a year and one day. So, um, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway looks like a modern dark ride. But, and I, I say this in... A lot of people are going to be like, what do, you, what do you mean by that? This looks like a dark ride that you would expect to see in Dubai or a foreign park, basically. Like, you would see it overseas, somewhere that's not Disney. And your first reaction to this would be like, this thing would be fucking smoking if it was at Disney. People would not stop talking about it. Well, it's at Disney. Um, it's really, really good. It is super fun. It, everything about it works well. The art design is great. Um, the use of the trackless vehicles is great. Uh, the integration of like the outside stuff with the vehicles themselves, um, the, the way everything is projected, particularly the room that goes from volcanoes to undersea stuff, the little amusement park segment that you go through, all of it is absolutely money. Um, I think this ride is absolutely 100% an unmitigated hit. I think it's better than Pooh at Disney Tokyo. Um, there's probably a lot of other rides I think it's better than at, at Walt Disney. And yet it's kind of opened as like an afterthought to the Star Wars stuff. But to me, it absolutely screams e-ticket. Everything about this ride is good. The whole thing. Um, we ended up... We actually waited in line. It, we went, it went down a couple times during the day, which are not shocking. It's, you know, is you know, high-technology dark ride. But we happily waited, again, for nearly an hour to ride this without even questioning whether or not that was a bad choice. And that's not very frequent for you to do. 
No, no, I don't like to wait for long periods of time. But under the circumstances, yeah, this ride deserves it. This is a really good ride. This is a fantastic ride. Absolutely fantastic ride. Um, I don't know. Like, it, it, there's no obvious glaring negatives. About the only thing I can say about it is it doesn't have like any big thrills. Obviously, it's it's a Mickey and Minnie ride. Um, but for what's there, I mean, the only thing that you're really complaining about is that the scope of it is not as enormous as like the absolute top top shelf rides, at least the ones in my book, and or that lacks those thrills. It's just a very fun attraction. I think it's great. Like if I was going to give this like a rating out of ten, I'd give it like an eight and a half or a nine. Mm-hmm. I you know like it is to me like it's a roll of the dice as to what rides might be better at Walt Disney World than Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Like maybe Kilimanjaro Safaris. Um. You know, people can make their arguments for their various old school dark rides like Spaceship Earth or whatever. I really like this. I love it. I think it's great. I would be, if I were a pass holder, I would go to Epcot all the time. But every once in a while, I would break from going to Epcot where I don't have to wait for anything. Um, and I would just like use a vape pen in a back corner somewhere. <laughs> and I would go to studios to ride this. So. That's the one one of the new things. The other new thing is there's this area you guys might have heard of. Uh, it's themed to this movie series called Star Wars. What's that? I don't know what that is. Yeah, neither do I, <laughs> actually. Space Samurais. Space Samurai. yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of, I guess they're based on these Japanese films <clears throat> combined with old school space operas. That's Star Wars. I thought that was some kind of U.S. defense project. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Star Wars defense project probably works about as well <laughs> as Rise of the Resistance. Oh no! And I say this knowing that that you know the lasers used to knock down ICBMs never came into service. Um, I I want to I want to spend this is why I want to spend the bulk of my time on obviously because this is this is the future right this is what we're talking about this is. This is the future of themed entertainment. This is this is the the end of the road. This is as, the biggest, bestest thing that's ever been. So I want to talk about. It. I want to talk about. It. But I want to talk about first as we as we get into discussing this. I want to talk about what this what it is, right? And I know that this is kind of pedantic, and a lot of people listening to this know what it is or have been there. So there's no signage to get into the land. You just kind of wander into it, right? Yeah. And it is a big land. It's 14 acres. It's 14 acres. That's with a lot of, with a lot of it accessible by walking path. Yes. Um by comparison, Indiana Beach is 10 for their park. Oh my god, really? Wow, okay. Yeah, I <laughs> I, I looked this up. So to verify. So this this section of, of this one theme park is bigger than Indiana Beach, which is a good size, not a good size, but a reasonably well-known and respected regional amusement park. Um, With an amazing Schwarzkopf coming, hopefully. Yeah, maybe. 
I'm we'll suspect. See. I'm very suspect. <laughs> um, you walk in. You know, most people are going to be walking in through, I guess, what you would consider the main entrance. I, there really isn't a main entrance per se, but like basically, fundamentally, that's that's kind of what it is. Uh, wherein you come in from what would have been like the entry to the old like streets of New York, and instead you are in Star Wars, and you kind of pass by Star Tours on the way in, uh, and Muppet Vision is to your left. So you, you walk in, and there's like an A-wing, there's a thing that's not an X-wing, it's like a something else that's there. Um, there's clearly something substantial to the left, because there's a lot of people standing around, and you become aware uh, eventually by signage that it, that does exist, that's small but present, and the sheer number of cast members out there that that's the entrance to Rise of the Resistance. Then as you go a little bit further in, that's where you get into the into Black Spire. Um, was it Black Spire Outpost? Is that Outpost. the correct name? Yeah, and that is the the town that you are. I guess you would call it a town or outpost or trading post or whatever on the planet of Batu, which is where you are now located. And that's where the, the primary action takes place. There's a, uh, a covered mall sort of area, uh, very similar to a souk in the middle East where there's like a toy shop at the end of it. Um, and I believe the creature stall is over there and Black Spire Outfitters. We basically spent no time in that. And that's because it's capacity restricted at the moment. And there was a line of people like all the way outside of it and around the edge and going down the sidewalk. Yeah, uh, it's, it's basically like 20 people can be in that area that used to have like dozens and dozens of people. Yeah. So. It's yeah, it's really weird now, and it's it's super awkward. Um, so you go up, take a left. Uh, the droid, droid depot is on your right hand side. Uh, Rontos, as you kind of ascend uh, into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, sort of the center of this area. Rontos Roasters is to your left, uh, and then you basically just continue towards the Falcon, and that is Smuggler's Run's entrance. Though, again, there's not, like, a huge Smuggler's Run sign or anything like that. Uh, Oga's Cantina is a little bit past that. Uh, you can continue walking around. That'll bring you over to its First Order Cargo, which is another gift shop at the milk stand. Uh, the extended queue for Smuggler's Run in this COVID age basically runs all the way down past the cantina, along with the line for the cantina. Uh, past first order cargo and ends up snaking its way elsewhere. And then there's a few other, there's there's some other walking path areas which are there as part of the land, kind of with the transition of it to Toy Story on one side, uh, and then on the other side, like I said, kind of coming in past the Muppet area, if you want to call it that, the Muppet Mini Land. Um. It is ambitious as hell. There's a lot of money spent. And you can see it. I, I mean, 
it's impossible for anyone to look at the amount of rock work and the effort put into building everything they did there and ignore it. I mean, there's there's just an enormous amount of stuff um, that was constructed for this land. And they, they spent a lot of time and a lot of effort putting finishing touches on this. I remember looking in the queue line at Rise of the Resistance and thinking how many hours were spent taking the time to spray fake lichen on the concrete to try and give it more of an aged appearance. And like the number, like the way it was layered and kind of like the chunky bits of the stuff, it was like, it took real effort to sit there and figure all of that out and then make it happen in the assembly or, or the construction of this. Um, the land itself, you have the option of getting the Play app from, you know, either the Apple or the Android store, and that provides a number of things that you can do in the area. There's games you can play, you can translate signs, you can um, unlock boxes and hack things, so like smoke pours out the back of the engine of the A-Wing, and, and things like that. So that kind of gives you the effect of what you have in the Harry Potter areas with the wands. Obviously the shops, you know, the creature stall has, you can buy an alien. You can buy the blue milk from Tatooine. Um, you can get a lightsaber built and that there's a whole ritual that goes along with it. I didn't do it because, you know, it's like $200. Um, you can build a droid and they have a very special cardboard box the droid goes into and you have your radio controlled r2d2 or similar uh robot that you can drive around so clearly they've spent a lot of time and a lot of effort as well in terms of like the gift shops in presenting things that fit this this very um this very i guess you know they're attempt to having this very coherent and or cohesive themed environment you know nothing in it says star wars necessarily um as far as the merchandise goes you know they have these things that oh it looks like it, it's a wooden toy that's been carved of grand admiral thrawn you know like things like that exist and and so it tries to to pass itself off as this very real place and i know for a lot of people it works very very well um and, you know, I, I think that as as a land, to me, what I think of, and may, a lot of this may be a lot of the think pieces that have come out of discussing Galaxy's Edge before, but it really does, I think, most strongly represent kind of the idea of video gaming a theme park area. You know, it's got it's got your rides, but the rides are very interactive. And... You know, there's there's a lot of sort of individualism, at least like played to in those attractions. <clears throat> there's all the shopping opportunities are made to look as real as possible. Like you're actually like everything is about you actually being there and being part of this world. And you know, you can go basically you can acquire items, you can acquire artifacts and food. That's very video game kind of centric. You know, it's what people kind of expect from RPGs. And 
I would also say that like this land being kind of introduced in the way that it was, you know, there was a lot of effort put in to make this part of the Star Wars canon and making it again like coherent and cohesive with the overall Star Wars expanded universe or whatever exactly they call it these days. Um, you know, it's it wasn't in any of the movies, and the idea is that you can create your own adventures and. Um, you know, you're not you're not necessarily trapped thinking about the things that happened in these places because they're new places to you. So they're all new things and they're all new things that you get to experience. But there's a familiarity that exists with them already, you know, whether it's because of the Millennium Falcon or because it's blue milk, like things that you have seen in the movies are replicated to some degree here, but it's presented slightly differently. So it's a little bit, you know, like I said, newer and fresher. Um And I think that that's, that's interesting and, again, very ambitious. And I don't question the ambition necessarily or the idea of having ambition for land of that sort. Um, having said that, I don't actually like it. <laughs> okay. I, I don't – there's nothing that I love about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Um. Yes, I completely understand the idea that, you know, you can create your own adventure and you're not you're not necessarily trapped in the mythology of the stories by being put in this place. But that's kind of what I want. Nobody wants to go do like, oh, we're going to go to Harry Potter land. What's Harry Potter land? Oh, it's a replica of the supermarket that his muggle family used to go to. Oh, why? Why? Well, you know, that way you can really feel like Harry going to the supermarket. Just, nobody's asked for that. This is not anything that anybody asked for. I'm not saying that... I'm not saying that <clears throat> this is meaningless, that people will hate it. Clearly, there are people that love it. There's people that are... They're wearing cloaks and buying two hundred dollar lightsabers. I mean, there's there's love for this thing, but the things that are there are meant to imitate things which we've seen in the movies, rather than just giving us the things in the movies. The concerns about whether or not it's canon. I mean, why couldn't you just said, yeah, there is a resistance base on Tatooine. Why wouldn't there be? Luke Skywalker's from there. Is is nobody? Everybody's aware that Luke Skywalker existed. He was a legend in his time. There's likely museums to him in Mos Eisley, based on the fact that he destroyed a Death Star or two, at least contributed in the second one, and like killed the Emperor and all that stuff. Yet somehow, it has to be here. Why? I don't know. Why are we in Batu? What is Batu? Why do I care about that? <laughs> why do I want a droid? Why do I like? Why do I want a, a wooden carved toy of Admiral Thrawn? Does that mean Admiral Thrawn is a celebrity in this time frame? Is Boba Fett one? How about Baby Yoda? Is Baby Yoda a celebrity during the time of Star Wars: Galaxy's Edge? Because they sure they sure sold a lot of Baby Yoda crap. At Disney World, 
I can assure you, practically everywhere that could sell things, regardless if it was Star Wars or not, sold Baby Yoda garbage. You, you, wait, Baby Yoda? I don't know who that is. You mean Rogu? What, yeah, sure. <laughs> Rogu, oh, God. Whatever it is from Mandalorian, Baby oh, Yoda. That like, name. The milk is horrible. Blue and green milk is disgusting. It is actively repellent. I have never had anything that bad served to me as like entertainment at a at a place. Like the Ronto roaster, it you know, it's it's fine. The Ronto wrap, it's it's basically a, a West Virginia dog in a pita bread. So what someone said is that one of the problems is that Florida skimps on the sauce. So the ones in, in uh, California are way better because they're actually better like made there. So that's what that I'll defend that. I, I like the milks too, but I understand that it's real polarizing. It's like a cilantro thing, you know. I I thought the I uh, I had the blue. I didn't have the green, and I thought it was okay, but it was nothing I would ever buy again, ever. They're great. I with would have to be paid money. I would have. I, yeah, I maybe. Like the green, I found the green slightly better than the blue. The blue tasted like tasted like tums you left in the car. <laughs> like it's, I've never in my life ever thought to myself, "Man, this is a flavor I really want." I was like, "This is like we tried drinking them," which also brings me to the next point. Um, for a long time, when this opened, there were a lot of people that there were like there was a lot of. Uh, controversy, as the British might say, or controversy, as we might say, about the fact there was no live entertainment in this area. There was practically no music. Um, there was basically nowhere to sit. Um, like, we ended up, like, getting our milk and just, like, wandering around forever trying to find a bench because they didn't put in benches. Um, there's a couple things that they've made out of molded concrete, which look like boxes that you sit on. Um, but there's not very many of them. Matter of fact, at one point they had to bring in store-bought furniture from like a Home Depot because they just didn't have seating area because they never expected people to want to sit down in a theme park land. Um, there's no sit-down restaurant. Oga's Cantina, it might be great. I can't tell you because I'm not going to wait in a line for that long or struggle that hard to be offered the opportunity to spend $35 a person on booze. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to do it. Like for what's involved, it's, there's no way that it's possibly worth it. Um, They could have fixed that by building like the cantina from Mos Eisley and having a big ass cantina with a band, which is what people want, but they didn't do that. Um, I didn't buy any of this stuff because I'm not really a Star Wars fanatic. I don't own any Harry Potter stuff either. But when I go to like the Wizarding World of Harry Potter or to Diagon Alley, I see people who use the wands. They're having a good time interacting with objects. Those interactions seem as or more tactile than anything that happens in galaxy's edge using the app which i also find to be incredibly frustrating to use not user friendly and like the two time i tried to to translate anything it gave me the same message about don't drink the water basically 
And so I just gave up. I found it unappealing and unpleasant. Um, when it first opened, they'd even bother to have signs that say restrooms on the restrooms because they were trying so hard to keep to character and keep to canon. Except for that little tiny issue of the paper receipts that spit out saying Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at every single retail outlet and restaurant. Um, and Disney World on them also. The fact you can't buy anything that says Star Wars in the Star Wars land feels fucking ridiculous to me. It is... What ends up happening is, at least in my mind, this is very much a video game environment. You can acquire items and you can buy food to, you know, bring up your energy bar. But that's it. There's really nothing else for you to do. I guess you can play Candy Crush and queue lines But as far as, like, actual interaction... There isn't any. There's cast members, um, but they're just cast members, right? Like, they work at shops. You can't spend a half an hour talking with them. The characters at this point, because of COVID, are basically put on these stages, and they just stare at you from afar. And what I kind of came to the conclusion of is that Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is actually a continuation of Toy Story Mania, in that Star Wars is a property that existed primarily to sell toys when it came out in 1977. And so what's actually happening is, what, what's the name of the kid that owns all the stuff in Toy Story? Andy, right? Yeah. Yeah, Andy, Andy also has a Star Wars playset next door to the alien swirling saucers <clears throat> and Slinky Dog. And so... That's why there's no signage between the two. It's just a continuation. It's just you're more toys, essentially. Like, it's a very... It's like a really extravagant G.I. Joe set. Like, it's that kind of... Andy got real lucky. His grandparents were feeling really generous and bought him the the biggest... Like, you know how you... Like, like most kids got, like, just one or two action figures, but that one kid always got the underwater secret base... Or the yeah. volcano base. Yeah, yeah. He got the giant thing. The giant thing you always wanted to get. But like like the aircraft carrier from G.I. Joe or exactly. something. Like, exactly, exactly. Like you're like, oh, man, if only I could get that. And it's like, yo, check out what I got. And you're like, no. <laughs> and that turns out his parents didn't really love him, so it's okay. Yeah, they're going you know? through a divorce. So it's exactly like Millhouse in The Simpsons when they're getting divorced. You know, they're just buying <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> they're just... <laughs> They're just they're just lavishing Andy with more and more toys. You know, it's like they're trying to one up each other. Yeah, that's exactly what like that's that that is my interpretation now of of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Um the rides. So there are two rides in this section. Uh Smuggler's Run was the first to open. It's a simulator attraction. Uh in these in these uncertain COVID times, they group you only with your own party. So my wife and I were alone as the pilots. Uh, my wife did not 100% fully understand what was going on. So she was not as that's, good, perhaps. That's fine. No one does stop. in that ride. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was up and down. She was left to right. Um, we didn't do all that wonderful and, you know, left with like the lights flickering and stuff. Uh, we did have a positive total. So that's nice, I suppose. Um, I, I don't, I don't get it. I, I'm at a loss as to how or why it's particularly good. There's a lot of buttons that don't do anything. Uh, as, as far as gameplay dynamics go, it's a rail shooter. 
except it's like if somebody was like, hey, do you want to play Star Fox? You're like, hell yeah, I love Star Fox. They're like, cool, here's a Super Nintendo controller. And you're like, yo, wait a second, there's only one button. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just get one button. I feel like, like they made it... Too, I feel like they were so afraid of people not figuring out how to do it. They made it too simple. So you don't feel like you're doing enough to actually affect what's going on. Well, I think... Well, the, my problem is that I think you can't have this attraction also try to be based on like a plot line like that they have. Because it's not a story. It's a plot, you know? The train comes, you fall, blah, blah, blah. You can't have a plot and also this interactivity because it just all gets mixed up. Like, everyone who says, like, oh, yeah, this ride's great, you go, okay, well, what part? Oh, well, we got stuck and we got that random scene where it's all the asteroids and you're just flying around shooting asteroids. It's like, well, then that's what the ride needs to be. It needs to be something so unstructured you can just do whatever you want. But, it, you know, whatever. From a, from a from a canon perspective, again, if you're if that's the if that's the perspective you want to use for this land, that this is one coherent, you know, canon experience, then why the fuck do you do the same mission over and over again? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Totally. Hundred percent. Why do you keep doing it over and over again? Why is it the same? Yeah. Hundred percent. I mean, it's a video game. Like, there's, there's, you can't tell me that you can't program different things into it. I can go ride Star Tours, literally like 500 or 750 feet away, and it switches up what film I see every time I ride. Like, I get, you know, two different experiences. Like, it's randomized. It's very simple, Alan. They want to sell a new adventure uh, five years from now. I, I know, but, like, the thing is, I'm there now. So I'm reviewing it based on the thing that's there Yeah, now. you are there. No. There, that, yeah. there you go. That's the point. You're there. That, yeah, I am there. It took a little <laughs> while, but I got there eventually. Um, I'm well, just the, kind of, the, that wasn't really your fault. It was more COVID. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was supposed to go earlier this year, and I canceled that. and you know, It worked out in the end. Like, this trip probably cost as much as that trip did. And that was going to be literally two nights. So... I'm I'm okay with how things turned out, but nonetheless, um, Smuggler's Run. Honestly, if I never wrote it again, I'd probably be fine. It's um, really bad. It's not it's, good. It's not good. I'm sorry. It's just not that good. And, I, and and people were coming out of it at Disneyland when you know their soft opening, saying how great it is, and then famously the touring plans sat down and was like, "This is a three star ride. It's not very good." You know, and I think three stars is being generous um, with their rating. Yeah. I mean, if you ask me, like, like, let's take the big the big view of of this park. okay? And I'll ask you, the both of you, because both of you have been on on this and everything else, basically there, except for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. I've been on Runaway Railway, which which is so much. You were on that. Yeah, I told you. Yeah. 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 All right. Um. I mean, that's that's completely unfair. Like to compare this to Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is like comparing, you know, uh, Millennium Force to a wacky worm. Like it's embarrassing. <laughs> um, I mean, what rides are there at this park, or even what attractions? Like, somebody says to you, Joe, COVID is going to disappear for the next thirty minutes. 
you're going to be on a transported device. You have the option of going to see Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular or Riding Smugglers Run. Oh, Jesus. Which, I don't know. I really don't like indie. I think my problem yeah, with, the problem with indie I, is it takes forever and it's real old. And it's real I, slow. I love the concept in indie. I just love I hate the fact that it's they haven't done anything to it. Like they could have done something to well, make it more I, don't I, know, I would I would updated. even but I would even okay, Alan, let's do this. Same thing. Star Tours or Millennium Falcon. Same simulator, Star Wars, oh, everything. Star Tours. Star Tours. Star Tours Star a Tours. million times. I would do Star Tours that whole 30 minutes. Even if you said, do you I want mean, to go do this? I'd do like, no, I'll do Star Tours. I mean, I picked Indiana Jones specifically because I know it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, I didn't pick it because I think it's great. I picked it because I'm like, yeah, this will fuck with you. Like, you know, like, I know that I would rather pick this than Alien Swirling Saucers. You know, like, that's low-hanging fruit. But, like, would I rather do this than... Rock and Roller Coaster. Oh, I'd rather ride rock and roll. Yeah. Would you rather, would you rather do that frozen sing-along show? No, no. Would you rather do Muppet vision? Yeah. Oh God. Yes. Well, Muppet vision is awesome. Would you, would you rather go get a pretzel and charcuterie at baseline tap house? Yes. No. Oh, charcuterie. Oh, it's great. Um, They they have a really good pretzel. They have a really good pretzel and their charcuterie is like dirt cheap and really good too. Um, like, yeah. Would you do, you know, we already talked about Mickey and Minnie, but like, would you do Toy Story Midway Mania or Millennium Falcon? Oh, Toy Story Midway Mania. Yeah. I mean, well, I actually rode that twice. So there's your answer. Yeah. Like, you know, I had the opportunity. I could have gone on on uh, Smuggler's Run twice. After we got off the first time, it was still a wait of like 10 or 15 minutes. I just didn't like it enough to possibly justify going back in. I'd rather do, I would rather do Mission Space Green than Smuggler's Run. Because even though it's much more simplistic, and there's, like, no possibility of fucking up Mission Space Green, like, there's also no possibility of, like, quote-unquote fucking it up. Like, or, or having other people fuck it up for you. Which, if you didn't have the group situation you did now, like, you'd have, a you know, a couple seven-year-old Brazilian kids that, you know, are wearing their... Thank God for Bolsonaro in Portuguese shirts, smashing the thing <laughs> against every fucking wall. And you'd be screaming at them, and they'd be like, you know, their parents would be like, "Whoa, you want to go to which you know, it's all like fascist talk, and it would be fucking terrible. I, there's just, I, I don't like it. I don't like Smuggler's Run. I cannot be forced to like Smuggler's Run. Um, I understand what they were going for, but you know, again. It's a rail shooter. It's just okay. It could have been so much more and so much more interesting. And they just, they were trying to do too many things at once, which is going to be a common theme for, for, for this park. Um, Rise of the Resistance. Yes. So as I said, I got boarding group 70. Um, the ride, you know, goes up and down constantly. Um, we did not get called back to ride until 5.37 p.m. I mean, we were just riding. We rode Toy Story Mania again. We rode ass. 
Aliens Swirling Saucers. We rode Tower of Terror. Great rides. Tower of Terror is uh, great. Yeah. yeah, Tower of Terror is great. It's like we were riding stuff just to kill time to get on this this thing. Um, I think we're well past the point where we can talk about this and quote unquote spoil it and anyone will be mad, right? Like it's been a year. Yeah, I would at this point, y'all can. Yeah, yeah. I think we're kind of at that point where you kind of know what's going on, or you've been on it, or something of that nature. Yeah, and if you don't, then like, what are you doing? What are you even doing listening to a review a year plus (laughs) after it opened? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, I don't even know what to say. Um, So, I get what everybody's like. Okay, let's let's go all the way back here. Before I even get into an opinion about it, right? There's no queue line. There is a queue line. But, like, there's no obvious big entrance for it. Um, you're kind of checked in with your boarding group at the beginning. And, you know, they scan your, your magic band. And then let you proceed in. And there's a wait. I think we waited around 45 minutes or so in the queue line. Because of the COVID restrictions, the queue line extends outside of the traditional queue line, uh, basically all the way back into the area where um, Muppet Vision takes place or starts out at. And then interestingly, about midway through the queue line inside the building, as you're looking at, you know, the rebel base that's been set up inside of this mountain, I guess, um... You end up outside and then being brought into the Muppet Vision line, which is their extended queue for this in COVID times. So you come all the way back out in front of Muppet Vision, past all the Muppet, you know, movie posters, and then come back around and then go back into the building for the the first pre-show. That's not very common, but that does happen. So I just want to I want to note that. So that's that's what we did. We got a chuckle out of it, and I thought to myself, well, I heard really bad reviews on Monday that like all the pre-shows were down, and we'll see what we get to see. So pre-show number one, as I understand it, is what I saw first, which, you know, you're basically talked to by uh, the BB-8 and Ray, and you're kind of explained as to what the mission is. You're going to get on this transport as new recruits. And join up uh, with Leia Organa and the rest of the Resistance fighters and do stuff. So you proceed from that and they kind of push you along into the transport ship. Mm -hmm. Which is outside. You board it. Uh, The way you board it now in in the COVID times. We just keep saying that. The COVID times. Uh, They basically have all these plexiglass walls that they put up in various areas to kind of block where people are supposed to stand. We were actually like front and center right behind where like the animatronic characters are in the video screen going out uh, of the front of the spacecraft transport, whatever. Uh, The guy that looks like Admiral Akbar, but is not, I can't remember the name of that specific alien group uh, was piloting us. Um, Pove, Dameron, who makes his first appearance on video in the preceding pre-show room, joins us there. And the transport ship is a simulator base Mm -hmm. on a turntable. 
and it simulates you going, you know, launching up, going into space, and then being caught by the First Order and being dragged aboard the Star Destroyer, the attractor beam, and, you know, the inter interplaying with that is this whole firefight that takes place between rebel fighters and the first order ties. So when you actually end up arriving on the deck, virtually the same door that you entered opens up and you're now on board the star destroyer. Uh, the idea being kind of exit out of that. And there's a whole platoon of star or uh, of uh, stormtroopers in front of you. You can see out into space from the opening that you were pulled in. Mm-hmm. And then you're you're brought in uh, to a long hallway. And then everybody goes in for, you know, when they're going to be uh, basically interviewed slash tortured heavily by the various characters, including Kylo Ren, in order to reveal the location of the rebel base on Batu, As though apparently... They don't have radar and aren't able to figure out where you came from. Or they can't walk more than, you know, 300 feet. Yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, it's beyond them. So, at that point, there's a pre-show, there's another pre-show room in a a very high-ceiling building. Um, There's, like, a center directly over where we're standing. It looked like there was almost like a, a glass room which I first thought might be like an operator booth, but I it, largely thinking it's probably just for the projectors that were used for the next effects with Kylo Ren and whatever the other guy is that's not like Grand Moff Tarkin. Gen- General Hux is his name. General Hux. Thank you. General Hux. Played uh, by Domino Gleason. Yes. Um, they, they greet us, if you want to call it that, and threaten us with bodily harm. But they have to go do something first. So that gives just enough time for the door to be cut open. And that is the Rebels helping free you and put you in the trackless vehicles that have their robots guiding you to get you out of the Star Destroyer. And that begins the Dark Ride portion. Which has a lift mechanism in it. uh, The full-size AT-ATs. There is a portion at the end so here's the question about the end um mm-hmm. obviously there's a motion platform it does the motion platform have a vertical drop in addition to the motion platform or is that just part of the motion platform itself nope, like it's a, there's the a vertical drop there's actually there's video out there of so basically there's video of it out there and it's it drops you like tower of terror and then as you slow and you get to the bottom, that's when it starts doing the motion simulator part. It's really impressive looking when you're off of it, but it's but that it's there's a drop, there's an actual yeah, drop. Yeah, okay. Uh, for me, it felt like it was just like the dark ride equivalent to Verbalton. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot like yeah. that. But then you know, then you get that or Hagrid or whatever motion thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hagrid does it to thirteen. I mean, there's a bunch of them. Um. And it's cool, like, then you basically go through this kind of, like, dark tunnel after you land, and there you are outside again, and you exit outside. Um, I know everybody loves this ride. <laughs> I know everybody loves this ride. And I know 
I know, Alex, you really love this ride. I think you really like this, Joe. Yeah, I really, really enjoy this attraction. Yeah. I, 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 I've said it's my favorite dark ride of all time. I, I, for now, I mean, going back and not riding it on opening day when we're all hyped up might give different results. But for now, I, it's, it's quite the experience. Uh, I'm, I cannot take anything away from anybody. I'm not robbing you of your joy of this ride. If I oh, get no. this again. I it's, would pay Alex, it, Alex, it's not you, it's him. It is. <laughs> I would I know that one of the long one of the long standing discussions I've seen online about this attraction, and I engaged in it to some degree even like today, uh, or at least definitely over the weekend, is the necessity of the pre shows. The idea that this ride, you know, doesn't make sense without the pre-shows. And and that's true in so much as this is so narrative-driven as a theme park ride that you do have to have the pre-show to understand why you're on a, on a Star Destroyer. I, I get that part. Uh, but I don't, I don't, I almost don't consider them pre-shows. I consider that part of the whole ride. Like, I, I know, I, 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 I'm getting, I, I, I hear you. And more so than, uh, than... Hagrid, or, or or not Hagrid? I'm sorry. Um, any of the Harry Potter attractions. Let's just go with that. Yeah, well, that's fine. I personally don't care about the pre-shows. Okay. Now that I've done them and I've experienced the pre-shows, I personally would be happy to just go on the ride. Like to me, all of that stuff that happens is no different than the stretching room. On Haunted Mansion. Yeah, it's a cool effect. People love the stretching room. People love the stretching room so much that they recite the stretching room. And you can see all the people that that are the real serious Disney fans because A, they recite the stretching room. B, they know what what wall the door is on and they go to that one immediately. That way they can (laughs) cut past everyone in line. Um... It's it is like multiple versions of the stretching room. The the first, the first pre-show pre-show portion and the portion afterwards with Kylo Ren, you know, really cool effect in terms of cutting like the bulkhead so that you can get out and get in the car. I'm not going to argue that. I think that was impressive. <laughs> it's kind of like me saying that Soren in Japan is impressive. Has a great pre-show. Am I going to wait four hours to see the pre-show for Soren around the world in Japan? No. Because that's all it is. Um, I think what they did in this ride, again, I, I used the word earlier, ambitious. The ambition of what they attempted to do with Rise of the Resistance is unquestionable. The, the idea of getting in that, that transport using that as a simulator attraction, basically, slash pre-show to get you to the Star Destroyer. And I, I agree, it, it really isn't necessarily a pre-show in any classic sense. Um, Especially that part. The yeah. first one with uh, BB-8 and... Uh, um, uh, what's Ray, her name? Ray. Ray. That's, that's a pre-show um, pre-show. That's a pre-show. But yeah. after that, no. that's a, Everything after that's experience, and I would want to do it every time. It, 
and again, I am not telling you that you're wrong for wanting that or loving that. I just personally, it falls somewhat flat to me. It's it's a combination of things. Number one, I'm not I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. Um, when I was much younger, I was much more into Star Wars. Like we're talking like eleven or twelve. Like I had the Star Wars collectible card game, and like the Star Wars, you know, expanded um, universe, like encyclopedia and stuff like that. Like I knew about those things, and of course, none of that stuff matters anymore because they retconned all of it out of existence. Um, and I, I don't really care that much because I don't really have any great emotional attachment to Star Wars at this point. I I don't have any strong feelings about the new trilogy um, other than I think it's, you know, it might be better than the second trilogy of films, the prequel trilogy, but that's also kind of like a non-statement. Um, so I don't really have any like heartfelt desire or love for Star Wars. And when we talk about the transport ship specifically, this is a really good example. What they could have done is they could have had the same giant motion simulator that they used for Finding Nemo slash Storm Rider at Tokyo Disney Sea, which is not a very good motion simulation attraction, but for the purposes of being part of this overall attraction would have worked out fine and just done the thing where you open one door and that's outside and you open the other door and that's the star destroyer. And you would have lost maybe half a percent of the wow factor of rise of the resistance by doing that. But you would have the same capacity as the two separate transports on that turntable. And you wouldn't have to worry about it going down with nearly the same frequency because it's not on a turntable and it's not two separate motion bases. That kind of falls in line with everything else that happens in that you have so many components that are so complex, like, you know, a vertical drop into a motion base with a trackless vehicle that to me at this point, I don't believe that this ride is ever going to operate as it was intended, assuming this is not what was intended, ever. If it does, it's going to take many years. And that yeah. that is something where, for me, to go through the process of getting a boarding group now in a period where attendance is way down at the park and it's much easier to get on, especially now that they've installed more plastic shields and increased the capacity in the vehicles and all that. Um, it's just, it's still unpleasant. It's a lot of work to get on a ride. And then it's not a ride. I have any great emotional commitment or love for. And that it doesn't really, it doesn't project anything that I loved about the old star Wars films. It doesn't have anything that, that hits those notes for me as child Alan. It's a it's a very big and impressive ride. It does really amazing things. I again, I'm not saying it doesn't do that, but emotionally, the way I feel about it is, eh. <coughs> it's good. Technically, it's very impressive. 
I can see all of that, but it doesn't really it doesn't thrill me to the extent that I would expect to be thrilled by a universal attraction. Nor does it offer me any kind of laughs. There's a lot of this kind of community theater sort of activity that goes around with it with this like we have to rush to get you in the transports. And then uh, you're the evil rebel scum when you get off the thing. Like, And I get that that's part of the experience. But that's not really what I'm looking for in a theme park attraction. Hmm. Like, I really want to go on rides, and I want the ride to be the experience. I'm not really looking to... Be berated by... You don't want to be berated by cast members dressed up as New Order fascists. Yeah. As they're they're telling you to stand on on a circle. My wife said that it's kind of like going to see Tony and Tina's wedding. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> but but with Nazis. Yeah, no, it totally is. It's like going to uh it's like going to Dick's Last Resort. Yeah. And it, it like if that's what you're into, that's cool. If that's what you really want out of a theme park, that's fine. But now I'm going to get to the back to the part where I allude about stuff. You know, I alluded about things hours ago and now we talk about it. Super mm-hmm. Nintendo Land. I feel the exact opposite about Nintendo as I do Star Wars. I fucking love Nintendo shit. Oh, yeah. They built me the things that I expect to see, like a Mario Kart ride. And they, did, they, didn't, they didn't do some ridiculous thing like, oh, we're going to create a, a Zelda attraction, except it's going to be underwater. You know, like submarines with Zelda. Everyone Why? loves the water temple. Yeah, everybody, yeah. Don't, is that what you wanted? Mm-hmm. Zelda, but submarines? No, it's not what I want. Like, they gave me the things I wanted. They gave me the things that allow me to experience what I know about Nintendo. And I like Nintendo a lot more than Star Wars, period. So, it is, at least on paper, obviously the rides might suck. But on paper, it's going to actually get some sort of emotional reaction out of me. And knowing Universal, I know that I'm probably going to at least smile a little bit. Like, from something that happens. Like, a lot of what happens on Rise of the Resistance is almost too serious. Like, I respect the fact that Disney made it more of a serious thing, I guess. Like, tried to make it more art. But when it's surrounded by the sci-fi dine-in restaurant, Muppet Vision... Um, you know, alien swirling saucers, slinky dog dash. I mean, Mickey and Minnie. Mickey, yeah, it's just not surrounded by like, it's not in around serious things. There's nothing. There's no reason that anybody that goes to Disney parks expects like really threatening stuff. Even you know, at least with like Tower of Terror, like it seems to make more sense. That would be like scary. Star Wars doesn't necessarily jump into people's minds as being scary. I just, I, I just don't feel like there's buy-in from the people that are going on this that it's in any way like concerning. It just seems very silly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some people really like it. I think there are some people that this is what they've always wanted is what Star Wars Galaxy's Edge provides. Personally, I, I find myself now saying, like, okay, I, I can see why this land 
didn't do business until Rise of the Resistance opened. There's no question in my mind as to why. What's there, Sans Rise of the Resistance, is not good enough to justify, in my mind, that kind of investment of time and money. Um, especially when, especially when you look at Disneyland, where they basically said, if you have an annual pass, you can't get in. We're expecting you to buy your own passes. By the way, there's going to be a billion people here. It's going to be miserable. Don't come. And, you know, like all these additional, like, hurdles they put up. Right. And then none of it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's – I look at it now and it's like, well, yeah, of course. I, I It was – in some ways it's like – it's kind of like what you – it's like what I expected. It's a lot of what I expected, but there's a lot of stuff that I didn't necessarily expect. The land is huge, for example, but the amount of used space in the land is shockingly minimal. That's why when you said that Indiana Beach was bigger, I'm like, well, Indiana Beach still feels bigger. Yeah, because there's things to do. I mean, mean, yeah. Uh, there's, you know, there's one area which I very vividly remember, which is this like crater that they've made uh, with like a spaceship engine sticking out of it. And of course, you know, some guy, you know, made sure to stick his family on top of the the edge of the crater, which is like five feet off the ground. And a cast member was yelling at him as we passed by. <laughs> but but the, the reason why I'm mentioning that is you can see it from space and you can see that that crater, like where it's located, uh, just north of the droid depot. Like, between it and Toy Story Mania, there's nothing. And the reality is, there's nothing that was preventing them, them being Disney, in building a full dining establishment in the space that they had. There was nothing preventing them from building more rides. Um... There's nothing preventing them from building benches or additional shade structures. There's not a lot of shade necessarily in Rise or in Galaxy's Edge outside of the main town. Um, to me, the primary value of doing things the way they did at Galaxy's Edge is that they have trees that around the outside along with rock walls, you know, fake rock walls. And those prevent you from seeing into the rest of Hollywood studios, like the backlot areas. Um, that's the primary benefit of doing that over Tatooine, which has been featured in more movies than any other planet in the Star Wars universe has the stuff most people are primarily interested in seeing at st- at, at the area. Um, it's obviously intended to be, in many ways, a ripoff of that. It's another, you know, desert planet uh, on the outpost, you know, barely hanging on to the edge of the galaxy that, you know, people do bad things in, which we've heard about in, in Tatooine and, and Jakku both. And now... Here's a third version of it. Another one, except you don't know anything about it because you've never been there. But it has Tatooine milk for some reason. Why? I don't know. I just... There's nothing about this land that that I love. It's It alludes to stuff that I should love, but isn't actually those things. 
Mm-hmm. And I just, it, it's missing fun. I, it, I, it, yeah. So one of the things that you did bring up, I want to, I want to touch on real quick and then you can, then we'll, we'll continue on is that, you know, like what's stopping Disney? Well, I think the thing is just money. They just spend so much of it on these billion dollar lands and Bob Chapek's like, I don't want to spend another dollar more on it. And that's what we have, you know, period. And, you know, like there was the plan and there's, you know, the space for a full restaurant that has like a rotating, you know, entertainment aspect. And there is an additional attraction outside that that was cut, uh, you know, early on. And if you look yeah, at the their ride, the Panther ride. And if you look at, um, you know, the concept art in what was it? 2005 when they announced the, the land. Like, if you look at the concept art to what we got, it's like night and day. It's like you're looking at the concept art is like all these petrified trees that they built these giant settlements in versus what we got now, which is slightly more woodsy, excuse me, slightly more woodsy um, um, Tatooine. Yeah. So, like, if you really look at it, you're like, okay, this is a great concept. There's something here. But it just kind of feels value engineered and all the all, like what's great about Star Wars is all the dirty shit, all of, like the muck, you know, the it's not people. I, I don't think people like the silky smoothness of the Death Star. They like falling into the trash receptacle because it's so real and there. I don't get that in Galaxy's Edge. It doesn't it feels like everything's been like sanded down just enough. <laughs> Your big sigh from Alan. <laughs> and I like Rise of the Resistance. I like it more than you, Alan. I think it's some great stuff. I like the pre-shows a little bit more. Um, I yeah, I don't. I, I mean, that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. I don't think it's bad. I don't think the land's bad. I don't think it's even. You know, like I, I really enjoy it, and I've gone back. You know, several times. But it's it, it, there's just so much potential there and so much that they teased and so much that was hyped. And just to walk in there and it just kind of being there is just – it's just kind of it, – it, it feel, I feel let down. So that's where I'm at. You have, you, they you, have put so many cool elements of Star Wars into it, but then they just put it, it – it, it's like held together. It, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a nasty – candy bar that has like all the great stuff in it but then it's like that's the base of it is disgusting and you just you, you don't want it <laughs> because some people, it's like some people might say that about uh like zero bar which i love but uh um, i tried that they had it at hershey earlier this year i tried it it was okay zero's good um it's okay i think like Turk- turkish delight is just nasty but that like i don't know there's i know what you're getting at here i i, I just but I don't Look, hate it. I, I find the land is great. I love it. Uh, but I, I just I see, I, I, I it, it feels, it, it almost feels like Lucas with the prequels. No one wanted to. It, they just they lost sight of so many things, and no one wanted to say no, or somebody wanted to. Someone said yes to everything. It, uh, who? Al- uh, Alex. It, it, it's, Alex. It's not to discredit all these Imagineers. They created a lot of great ideas, but all together, it's it's a it's yeah. Alex, would you would you rather? Here, here's where I'm going to go. Al, I'm going to give each of you a question. Oh, all right, Alex. 
I'm giving yes. you two hours. You're not going to ride anything. Where would you rather be? Star Wars Galaxy's Edge or Clue? Diagon Alley. <laughs> that's that's for Joe. <laughs> wait, wait. What was your? Let me let, finish your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> Galaxy's Edge or Klugheim? Oh. Be honest with yourself. Klukheim, mm. I think, because the coaster's great. There's a great restaurant that I haven't experienced. And then when it's I step out of Klukheim, by the way, yes, and and I mean the 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 pretzel and the beer that I had, just just that, well, that was great. Uh, I'm just saying, two hours. You're not. You can't write anything. You're just gonna I mean, have to, I also have to have, the land. I don't know. That's a hard question because if you ask a Disney person, like they, a Disney person's gonna answer the Disney thing. Like, no, but, okay, a Disney, a not. Okay, what about like you? A, you, it's for you. To you, well, I, I'll you take do? the roller coaster over the dark ride. Duh. Okay. All right, Joe. But but no <laughs> rides. No rides. No rides. Oh, no rides. No rides for two hours. Well, I still would love to just sit there and watch uh, Terran go around the thing. Hey. Dynamicism, yeah, something that is not present. I, 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 Alan, let me say this: I think I spent about an hour and a half just photographing it. In there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, I mean, he already ruined it. But I mean, <laughs> you, you have two hours and you can't go on a ride. Would you rather be in Diagon Alley or or Galaxy's Edge? Diagon Alley. I mean, and, uh, this, uh, let me just say why I said that so quickly because I I spent like an hour doing just that today. Yeah. That, that's why I answered it so quickly. <laughs> you know what? You can say whatever you want about the dragon not moving; it breathes fire. Okay, it, it, yes, which it is, breathes which, fire, and you which can is one hundred percent more than anything does on a regular basis inside of Galaxy Side. Yeah, like it was really cool to interact with things, but and that was fun because it's just like, wow, you did something with your phone, and like you, you know, you did that. But um, I don't know how long that's gonna the. The novelty. the novelty is that going to be there? Like, I'm, I'll probably do it again, do the data pad again if it's still supported or th they still support the app, which is another question. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, right? They laid off everybody. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, my thing with Diagonal is like, you got two shows. One of them has yep. two versions of it. Mm -hmm. You have all the wand Ooh. stations. You yeah. have all the windows that don't have wand stations that are just stuff you can look at and like move that, and that like like ninety five percent of the like, people don't look in. Yeah, and like 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 Ugh. like and but like you know like one of my favorite things is just taking new people to the museum of Muggle Curiosities window. You know, um, you get like if I'm dropped in there, you know, I can go and buy a wand for under two hundred dollars and go and do interactive stuff. <laughs> Um, oh, you just said that. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. I can, you know, like, I can grab a beer, watch shows, wander around. I can watch people doing stuff. Um, but, like, again, like to come back with the data pad, like, I let, the concept's good. The problem is that, first of all, it's, it, like, it's not really a Star Wars thing. Like, you think of the Force and you think of things like that. But yes. Also, yeah. Yes. Which you brought up, Alan, and that's something that stuck with me. Mm. But, like, if you have a wand, that is literally Harry Potter stuff. It's like it's like you know you know what I mean, and, and also yeah, like this is, and the problem this is, is offline conversation we had. I'll describe yeah. it in a second. But. Yeah. So another problem I have with the data pad app is that it it just feels like 
someone took a remember when the iPhone first came out and they had like web apps and it was like this really crappy app to get on like Facebook and then they made native apps for Facebook and it became so much easier and better and like it could it could stay open in the background and it was just smoother that's kind of what the data pad is it just feels like this really clunky not very intuitive um, thing that just doesn't work it, it, it doesn't feel like it works well and it doesn't it doesn't feel responsive and what you get out of it is just a bunch of meaningless like narr- like conversation it's not like even like worthwhile and it's just busy work like it's not like you're going up to something and like changing something and whatever it's like you have to have a conversation and then you have to like do a, a, a block puzzle and then this and this like every time I try and do it, like the first time I was there, it didn't work. Period. And then like the app just wouldn't work. And then the other two times I tried and it just I immediately lost interest or the queue was moving too quick or whatever. You know? So that's anyway, that's my piece on that. So Alan, go back yeah, to uh, the yeah, Star yeah, Wars. Just to describe what, what what I was talking about with Joe is you know, the thing about the data pad is I mean, at least it's free though. Yeah. Y- yes. yes. I, yes. I agree. It, it is free. I could give it that. Um, and frankly, it is, it deserves its price of $0. Um, I, I agree completely with what Joe just said, but more so the data pad allows you to play these games and do these like hacks or whatever, and align yourself to the first order or the, the rebels or whatever. And at the end of the day, what people want is they want to purchase that fantasy Right, they want to purchase the fantasy of being in Star Wars. Nobody is in the fantasy of Star Wars to be some random dude that just is like a new recruit for the rebels or like working as a narc for the first order. That's what nobody has that fantasy. Nobody has a fantasy that low and mediocre in their life. Their fantasy is to be a Jedi. And the only way you get to live that fantasy in any way, shape, or form is to spend the money on a lightsaber. Otherwise, you're just some schlub. And that is a big difference over Wizarding World of Harry Potter, where you get to be Harry Potter. You get to do magician shit. You get to be a wizard. And that's a that's a really critical and important difference. Now, I understand the Force isn't real. Neither is magic. Universal makes it work. Midichlorians, yeah. They could have done... There's a million different ways they could have done that, but they didn't do it. They opted for this. Now, maybe it's it's them, you know... They chose to make LARP land, and they went 87% of the way there, and they stopped before they got to 100 because they were like, this is not going to work. Um, I don't know. I can't I can't tell you exactly what the thought process was for any part of this. And I don't think anybody will know in in full detail until there's a book 15 or 20 years from now. Um, but I just I look at other big theme parks and big theme sections. I think to myself, are these more pleasant places to be? And the answer usually is yes. Um, I, I think it's very impressive what they did. I think they spent a lot of money on it. I can see where they spent the money on it. But again, I think, you know, is this really somewhere that I can say with absolute certainty is, you know, the best 
theme park area in the world? Well, I've seen Mysterious Island at Tokyo Disneyland. And this is no Mysterious Island. I credit them for being more ambitious with the attraction. But it just, it didn't work for me on the on the whole. I would, I would enjoy riding the dark ride, but I just don't necessarily care about all the preamble. Because I know what it is now. And it's kind of like some people have a favorite movie and you can watch that movie a hundred times and you, you learn every nook and cranny of the movie. You, you know, all the way the characters act, you know what they're going to say. Favorite episodes of a TV show. Like that may be somebody's reaction to rise of the resistance. It may be your reaction to rise of the resistance, whether you're on the podcast with me now or listening to it <laughs> either way. And that's fine. But it's not my favorite thing. It's not it's not my jam in that way. And I would ride Symbolica a hundred thousand times over this. I would rather go on to me, what happens on How to Train Your Dragon um at at Motion Gate is just as physically impressive as what's done here. I mean, I know it's a single ride system rather than these multiple ones, but in terms of like the dark ride versus the dark ride, like that one to me is is amazing. Um, I just I'm I, I'm left cold. I'm left feeling like that's it. That was the thing, and it just doesn't do it for me. And I there's nothing I can do about it. On the other hand, I'm not saying that that's something that Disney that Disney's bad or can't make rides because. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is, you know, not all that far away, about five minute walk, and it's fucking great. So I guess that's kind of how I perceive Disney in 2020. Like, I would much rather see 10 more Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railways than 10 more Rise of the Resistances for a lot of reasons. Um, but not the least of which is that I like Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway more. And I, I understand the people that feel that way. It makes sense to me. I, I just think it's a more pleasant, not only is it a more pleasant experience to get on it, I just think the ride's more fun. It's trying to have more fun. It's it's trying to be entertaining, whereas I'm not sure that Rise of the Resistance is trying to be entertaining. I don't I'm not exactly sure what it's trying to do. So that's that's kind of my final take on on Rise of the Resistance. And I'm glad that we got to do this podcast, if for nothing else, to discuss this. Because I just feel like, I know I'm on an island on this one. I know that. And I'm fine with it. Um, I'm not really actually that fine with it, because it means I spent a lot of money to go ride this. <laughs> but, you know, you have to know. The only way you're going to find out is to do it. So, um, the way I wanted to kind of, end the trip report was i want to kind a of a palate cleanser yeah you know for all this stuff about the theme parks we did real life stuff obviously i mentioned that we stopped in charleston and savannah and hilton head those are all very brief i've never been to any of them charleston i think is this is charleston south carolina I should be specific i actually drove through charleston west virginia too but that's not nearly as fantastic a place though there is a good record store there um Charleston, South Carolina is like Newport, Rhode Island, for those people who've been to that 
uh, except it's in the south, and so there's many more sawtooth palms. Um, it's really cool. I thought Charleston was awesome. I thought Savannah's really cool too. It reminded me a lot of New Orleans. Um, not quite as French, obviously, but still very cool. I like both of them. Hilton Head, I don't really understand the appeal of, other than I assume it's the best beach in the South. And so people go there. That's what I've got. Um, and it has golfing, so it has an upscale crowd. Central Florida, though, you know, we always discuss the parks. And I think a lot of people in their minds think of Central Florida as kind of an extension of maybe the Northeast or um, as this kind of like sort of very liberal zone because of the theme park community. But Central Florida is weird. It is deeply weird. And I would recommend to people who have never done it before to go up to the Ocala National Forest and go for some hikes and visit some springs. Um, we wound up, I visited, my, my buddy Nash lives down in Orlando. He actually works at the University of Central Florida as a postdoctoral researcher. Um, he's a, a great naturalist. Um, fantastic guy to go ha hiking with because he knows everything. We went up to Salt Springs and Fern Hammock Springs in the Ocala National Forest. Saw all host of different animals. We saw pygmy rattlesnakes. We saw bald eagles. We saw scrub jays. Uh, there's basically Chesapeake blue crabs live in Salt Springs itself. Um, the springs are really, really gorgeous to see. Uh, if you've never gone to see any of the real Floridian springs, they are something to behold. The the water color, the the way that it bubbles up either from rocks or through sand. Uh, going on little hikes, even though there's mosquitoes and and chiggers and stuff like that, you can you know get some off and go walk around and see all sorts of cool animals. Um, there's some areas of basically there's like these pine savannas. Uh, it's not supposed to be so heavily forested in central Florida. It seems to be that way, but it really should be. I think the, the correct number of trees per acre is really supposed to be about, I think, 10 per hectare or hectare, basically 10 per 2.5 acres. So it should not, it should be pretty sparsely treed. And when you get to those more sparsely treed areas, that's where you see things like, um, there's a, an endemic woodpecker that lives out that way. We didn't get a chance to see it, but we did see the scrub jays for sure. And it's just cool. It's nice to get up there. But man, the the lifestyle up in places like Ocala or even just south of Orlando, not even that far stuff. Like, you know, we were staying in Davenport in our house. If you go to Intercession City, which is five minutes away from where we were, I mean, that place looks like Jamaica or Belize. Like, it, it is so radically different from what you understand Central Florida to be, if all you know is iDrive and Disney World, that it's worth getting in touch with that, that part of, of the state and, and understanding it. Um, 
because I think that helps you then it kind of gives you information and helps you inform you about where the hell it is you actually are and and what it's like to live in Florida um, and particularly like the real Florida it's there's a reason why they're able to trade on so many like white trash or redneck tropes at Gatorland. And given that I think it primarily appeals to locals, it makes sense that it would do that because once you get outside a little bit, once you escape the land of the five bedroom villa being the most common housing type, it gets weird real fast, real fast. Um, but I definitely recommend going up for some hikes, checking that out, and just you know, just leave the area, just drive around a little ways during daylight, and see places like I said, Interstate City, like that. That is, I hate to say, the real Florida, but it's it's more indicative of what the state is than, and it's probably important for you as an individual going to these places to know and understand that. So. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the way I would close it out. I would say, you know, there's there's cool, there's really amazing real shit in Florida, and there's really good fake shit too. Um, and that's pretty much all I got. I don't know if there's any questions or any other comments. Uh, I don't have any questions for me because uh, we've been at this for long enough. I'm gonna mute unmute Alex. He went. He switched up around his uh, recording setup. Okay, Alex, oh, you, you better. Yeah, I'm I'm almost a fun spot. That's why I muted myself. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Ariel just texted me. She's like, Ubering this fun spot. Okay, I'm going to go. Okay. Well, Alex, uh, do you have any questions for Alan? Uh, no, I agree from seeing most of, seeing other parts of Florida that like I've seen I've actually seen most of that stuff and it is a uh, you know, I I don't yeah. like doing city stuff, but you know me. I love nature and just seeing the country. And uh, that's, I agree with everything you had to say pretty much. And yeah. there's, a, there's actually really rad stuff. There's like, there's um, Lechoneras, these Puerto Rican restaurants. There's, there's actually one which I did not go to, um, but I wanted to really bad. It's in, it's in, it's on the very south, like tippy end of, Kissimmee on Orange Blossom Trail. You know, the, there's actually like a whole road of nothing but lechoneras in Puerto Rico itself uh, when you leave San Juan. And basically it's like roast pork. Like, you know, whole pork being roasted and they chop it up for you and serve with sides. And, you know, that's, that is one really cool thing about being in Central Florida is if you want to get like quote unquote different things like Colombian food or Puerto Rican food or Dominican food, like that's actually available to you. Not so much here in the upper Midwest. Um, so I'll just throw out that recommendation to go get some crazy pork at the Lechonera as well. Alrighty. Uh, if there's anything else, I think we'll call it a show. This is definitely one of our longest shows. Uh, Alex, where can people find you online at? Because um, then I'll let you hang up and uh, meet up with your with Ariel. Uh, you can find me uh, the coaster spot on most things: uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, coaster spotting on Twitter. 
Okay. Thank you very much for joining us and defending <laughs> Galaxy's <laughs> Edge. Uh, Alan, where, where can people find you at? Uh, you can direct all of your hate mail to <laughs> at Gods on Safari at Twitter.com or whatever it is. Yep. You can, you can find me elsewhere, too. I do things sometimes. Yeah, and then uh, you can find all of us at Parkscope uh, on Twitter and at and Parkscope.net online. Uh, put up a new article about Pokemon. It's not as simple as Nintendo can do it. I'm sorry, Universal can do it. Or maybe N- Disney has a chance. It's a little more complicated. So I wanted to explain it because I've seen it pop up a lot and people don't understand the rights issues. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. That thing's very complicated. <laughs> so I'm, I may have some other articles going up soon I'm thinking of, but that's, that's a recent one. So uh, on behalf of everyone, we'll see you guys later. Uh, love everybody, hate everything, Kungaloosh, and we'll see you on the next episode. That's hopefully not a month from now. That'd be great. <laughs> okay. Anytime. Yep. See ya.